got a shiny sword. Vin Diesel, son of Gasolini. We bought a mic. We bought a Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant. I don't know what that is in reference to. Hello! today today is not that day and today is the day to talk the lord of the rings oh, the return of the king hey hey welcome welcome to the show we bought a mic pop poetry podcast back again there and back again i'm Ernest. i am uh two hand wheeling one hand water one hand wine uh hunter good i'm Brett Bo Bretkins. <laughs> and what's your, yeah, what's everyone's Lord of the Rings name? <laughs> Huntstein. Oh, well, you, no, that's <laughs> Is that your Jew name? Yeah, that's just a Jewish name. I'm, no, what was the 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 pitch that you had for superhero names off mic that you gave? Oh, I, no, I was saying for like the cuz there's they're making a sh- I'm Drew. They're making uh the boys spin-off set in college and I was saying everyone's hero name is just their name with Meister at the end of it. <laughs> like, Huntmeister. Yeah, the like Lego Lego Meister. You mix that up for Hunterstein? <laughs> Hunterstein. <laughs> I don't know. Don't interrogate it. I'm Dr- uh <laughs> Drew Garoth of okay. of Elgron of the Elgron province. <laughs> Mm. Uh-huh. Son, son of, of Leonard. Son of yeah. Son of uh, El- Elrond is almost Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Son of Elrond Drino. Drugaron, son of Nyelin. <laughs> Hunter, there's something going on with your mic. Talk. Um, just, oh, That's what okay. she said. Oh. So really close to Brett. Um, yeah. we're mostly going to just be covering Lord of the Rings: Return of the King and Lord of the Rings writ large, of course, on this episode. However. I think we'd be remiss to not mention the fact that Vin Diesel just released a song today. Uh, and it is like a very poppy, like five okay. years outdated okay. club song. Okay, I heard some static, but now it's gone. It's the mic cable. Oh, shit. Do you think we would actually get flagged if we used that in the episode? Yes, 1000%. There we go. There we go. I got it. I might be very sensitive about putting it up in here. And okay. can we do it's like one of those, here. like you, you might know about this, right? One of those like YouTube, like DMCA notices in the, in the description. That's like, Hey, this is for educational <laughs> purposes only. Like, yeah. Some dis- that, so that are we, uh, are we taking anymore. it from the top or what are we? I figured uh, we could just play it and be like, so that was a C chord <laughs> and that it would be educational <laughs> <laughs> through the magic wow. of editing. Wow. Look at that. Huh? Seamless. Seamless. <laughs> so, uh, we are diving into the third and final entry in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, with quite a journey. Yes. With our special guest, Brett here. Um, but before we dive in, I did want to just do a quick little, uh, recap of the Emmys. Um, because we don't want to do a whole episode on them, but I figured I'd mention them right here off the top. Uh, they were bad. Yeah. Didn't hey, watch him, but really shout, wasn't interested. Shout out to Quibi for winning more more Emmys than Better Call Saul. Yeah, so we have so much to get to with Return of the King. So just a, a marathon two minutes on the Emmys here. The good. Jimmy Kimmel. Good host. 
He's he fun. Yeah. He handled it well. He's a, I, I think Jimmy Kimmel has actually become pretty underrated for his ability. Even like people shit on him because he was the host of the Oscars during the famous La La Land Moonlight fiasco, which he had absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. To and he did. With. He did a good job managing that, too. He yeah. made light of it. He's yeah. No, he's funny. He also he's underrated because um, ABC's late night show will forever be like the bastard child of CBS and right. NBC's. It does not have the legacy because it didn't exist before Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, so, but he's like been him. quietly chugging along. None of those shows are particularly good because it's an hour of content every single night. It's not going to be good. Uh, but you know, he's fine. Good for him. You know, I being epic the, on main, the, o- the opening monologue section was pretty effective because they kept cutting to a room full of people reacting to his monologue. And I was like, it was like pretty seamless. I was like, there's no way that there's a room full of people watching Jimmy Kimmel right now. Like, what is happening? What, what was there? Uh, they were just using old clips of the Emmys. Wow. And it was like seamlessly done, like just old crowd shots. That's from years fascinating. Past. That's cool. And it, the way the way they did it was so good because it they kept showing all these celebrities. And then you saw Jimmy Kimmel in the audience. And he was like, wait, but if I'm in the audience... <laughs> And I'm up here, then does that mean there's no audience? And then they uh, okay. zoom out. And yes, he is in a completely empty arena. I think it was Whoa. the Staples Center. It yeah. looked like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which, why didn't they just do that on a soundstage somewhere? They insisted like, no, we're holding this in an empty Staples Center. Yeah. They did get uh, Jason Bateman to be in there for a little bit. (laughs) So you didn't find it was uh, epic that they had people in hazmat suits outside of the winner's doors giving them their awards? So that's my in uh, the bad section. (laughs) So I I, I wrote down notes. I have the good, the bad, the bad. Yeah, the hazmat suits. Very dystopian, very unsettling. Just not a great look to have... People in hazmat suits in a Kia commercial delivering Emmys to people. This is like the media at large. It, it, awful. Just a bad time. Uh, back to the good, though. WandaVision trailer for the show. on Looks, uh, looks solid. Yeah. Looks fun. Um, on uh, Disney Plus. I struggle to believe it's going to be as transgressive as it looks in that trailer. Yeah. I Yeah. You You're know what I mean? Right. There's just right. no way it's actually going to go that dark. Watchmen won 11 Emmys, including uh, acting awards for Yahya Abdul II, uh, Regina, and Damon. Mm-hmm. Very well deserved. Love that show. Incredible show. Matt Damon. And Succession. Yeah, that's the seven that's wins. the dub for me. I'm in, very happy about this. Including yeah. best drama and our number one boy, mm-hmm. Jeremy Strong. Yes. The best actor. He was wearing a fun little bow. Yeah. I was really worried that him and Brian Cox were going to split votes, but I'm glad that Jeremy got it. The right person won. Yeah. And then, yeah, the bad, they, they tried their best, but it it was, it was just a bad telecast. Like it was not worth the three hours that I devoted to watching this thing. It was pretty rough, especially because Shit's Creek (laughs) took over the first hour winning every single comedy award, like literally every single award. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. is, this all supports my overarching theory that the Emmys are run by my parents. (laughs) Dude, my mom sent a message to the family chat too. Like, Hey, the Emmys, they, they know their taste. Yeah. I, the (laughs) only thing I know about the Emmys this year was the conversation I had with my mom, like the day before, because I didn't watch it. She's like, man, this shit's creek is really good. Like, I think it's, I'm going to watch because I think it's going to do super good. Like parents show brainwashing shit's creek. It's, 
I don't know, man. I really don't. Obviously, it definitely is a grower show, which means you have to invest time in it. I'm a shower. Yeah. It's there's nothing wrong with being a grow. I've heard from many people. Um, <laughs> I've heard that it's actually better if you're neither. <laughs> if there's just no, nothing, I don't to show. Grow yeah, I don't show. <laughs> there's nothing there. Um, it. I watched the pilot and I was like, "That's enough." Yeah. And that's not a fair way to assess any content, of course. But evidently, it got better. It's sure. it's definitely a well put together show. It became like immensely dense with callbacks and you know in jokes, which is cool. Uh, good for you know the Levy family. Yeah, no, <laughs> the I, dynasty was, of Levy's. It was nice. <laughs> the to eyebrow see dynasty. <laughs> it was nice to see them happy in their little socially distanced party. Because I think you know these these show these award shows like there's a certain level of like call it rigged, call it bullshit, call it whatever. Yeah, politics. They, they knew that they were going to win, so they put a whole party together. Well, also, they're in Canada. So oh, that is that's that right. is another mm-hmm. perk that they have because uh, more, more flexibility. It's uh things are going better in Canada yeah. than they are in the states right now. Well, don't know what you're talking about. Um, but. Yeah, I, so it, it was just kind of like weird to me. I know that it does have some kind of a following. Do you think that this is like solely because it was the last season? Yeah, and it was one of those things where like well, we have to celebrate the show because yeah. it never got any love leading up. to Much this. like a little movie we're about to talk well, about. That's that's what yeah. I was about to say. Sweep all the about fucking awards. Yeah, it was. It's you very stole similar. the transition. From <laughs> it's, it's cool that a show like it had a very strange uh, like rise to power. That show. It's very. Yeah. It was on like a Canadian network, and then like some basic cable channel that I've never heard of in the United States picked it up called like Pop or something like that. Yeah, that's right. And uh, then obviously Netflix is what just sent it over the fucking edge. But now it's it's wrapped up. Yeah, it's all over. Uh, the one person I would give shouts to over anyone on that show, because I don't care about that show necessarily. But Catherine O'Hara has been criminally underrated her whole career. Uh, she was on SCTV, which was like a parallel universe SNL back in the day with Eugene Levy. Uh, she's an incredible actress. And uh, her work in just like the first few episodes of that show that I saw was inc- she's uh, very very talented comedic actress uh and they never get you know they never right. get their time to shine yeah and again just to reiterate the whole format uh, like they tried their best with like simulcast like live stream they had cameras in like 140 different locations uh it was pretty funny though at one point rami yusuf tweeted a video of him losing the emmy and what happens the person in the hazmat suit just standing outside waving like bye i'm not coming in your house but i'm standing here in a hazmat suit just all these people had had an emmy waiting for them (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know they they tried they tried but it it's just it wasn't good it didn't work a lot not having an audience is a huge huge hindrance to the flow of the show so (laughs) it was bad bad broadcast but shouts to Watchmen. i wasn't yeah quite as high on it as you guys were but there's so much craft in that show so so much technique it's incredible shouts to succession which is like arguably my favorite show on right now it rocks i I was the only other thing i was hoping for was matthew mcfadden um yeah well that's the thing is like in these categories if you have multiple nominations per show it splits the vote mm-hmm. so in that category the winner which is a, a surprise and i have i have a couple of surprises written here billy curdup won for the morning show which was like what so mm. you had two dr manhattans winning in one night cool <laughs> 
you know, Lord of the Rings, up The Return of the King is the 2003. I, we could have just ended this. I had a great transition queued up. And then I, we said two minutes. It's been like six. Uh, real quick. Mark Ruffalo, huge surprise winning over Hugh Jackman for um, best actor in a TV movie. I thought Hugh Jackman was a shoe in for bad education. He's awesome in that movie. Mm-hmm. Zendaya won uh, the. Mm-hmm. For Michi? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she won for her performances. No yeah, LeBron James won for Guangi. <laughs> Danny DeVito won for Dorgal. And uh, Gina Rodriguez it's, won for Cole. Yeah, et cetera. I don't want to. Commonest Stone Keeper. Yes. Um, she made history as the youngest winner of that award ever. Zendaya so, rocks. Yeah. I haven't seen Euphoria. Zendaya is a good actress. So. I, I hope that more people watch Euphoria after this. I need um, to. Yeah. If you are a parent, uh, do not watch the show with your child. Actually, you know, if you're a parent, I don't recommend watching the show because it might give you anxiety attack of what teenagers uh, might be doing these days hmm. in this day and age. Luckily, uh, parties stuff. aren't happening as much. Yeah, right they're now, happening. So, yeah. yeah. So maybe it's our, worse, our actually. governor maybe is you, about to pass. Maybe you a, definitely shouldn't watch this show then. Our, our governor is about to pass a pro party yeah. law. Well, also, <laughs> luckily, we were none of us were ever cool enough to hang out at cool ecstasy parties with people as hot as Sydney Sweeney. So right, 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 right. It's a non-factor for yeah. most of us. Just just be a just be a movie guy. Just be a <laughs> just be a chill dude that just doesn't have any friends. I mean, in college we were fucking cool. Oh. Yeah. I we played FIFA up my room every night. <laughs> I'm like Hey, you guys want to come over and play FIFA 2010 World Cup? Yeah. Or, uh, what? And it they're smells like, real bad in here. Come on over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, my cat keeps throwing up everywhere. It's just come on in. Well, so that's the Emmys. We have a big bulk of ketchup that we need to get to next week on the show. So stick around for that. But we got to dive right into Middle Earth, the return of the king. 2003 winner of 11 Academy Awards. This was the big fucking victory lap for Peter Jackson and company. Mm-hmm. Um made a buttload of money, mm-hmm. broke a billion at the global box office. Uh, just, just what a picture. I mean, it what is, what a picture it is. Uh, it's undeniable. And I think the Oscars knew that it was funny. Kind of. I remember there was some people, this is before the last Skywalker came out. The people wondered if this movie is good, will it be celebrated in the same way that Return of the Jedi was, where it's like, this is the end of the story. We have to give it some awards to celebrate it for what it did. That was, of course, before the movie came out. We all knew that it was kind of dog shit. But yeah, I this movie, it's it already it did win some technical awards leading up to this in the prior Oscars. But this is kind of it won best picture for this movie, but I think that this is more of just a sign for the entire trilogy than it is just on this. Film. Yeah, it was filmed all at once. Yep. Like yeah. This, yeah, this is a big old, hey, congrats. You did. You've shot on tough location for a year and a half. So good job, guys. So before we actually talk about the movie, there's a couple of things I want to say. So first of all. This is the first or this is the only one of the three that I vividly remember watching in the in the movie theater. I I don't think I went to the movie theater for Fellowship and Towers. If I did, I don't have any recollection of it. This one, I I just have it's there in my mind, like it's burned into my memory. 
And with Fellowship and Towers revisiting it, it both those movies felt very fresh. But this one, I just I remembered the images of this movie were just like burned into my brain. I remembered everything so clear. And I should also say I did have a little Aragorn action figure that I cherished very much. And I was looking say. for it. I was looking for it to have it on the show today, but I couldn't find it. I don't know what, where it went, but he looks like not the final Aragorn that you see, but like the, the, the one in the battle with like the white tree, mm-hmm. uh, get up with the Cape, man. I miss that action figure. <laughs> I probably could have come with like an entire box of all my different Lord of the Rings shit. <laughs> I believe that. I dressed Hell as yeah. Legolas last Halloween. Actually. Yeah, you did. I wore this shirt. <laughs> nice. <laughs> part of it. Um, now, I was going to say, I actually, similar to your story about this being the first one you saw in theaters, this is actually the first Lord of the Rings movie that I ever saw. I saw this movie before I saw the first two. I mean, look <laughs> at the numbers. A lot of people did. Well, I remember because uh, my older stepbrother was obsessed with the Lord of the Rings, the books and the movies. So I think that I just kind of got dragged along with the family and I like loved the movie as a kid. And then, of course, later on, went back to it. Um, but yeah, no, this is the first one. And it does kind of add into what I was saying with Two Towers about how these movies work independent from each other, mm-hmm. that I was a child and I had never seen any of them and I could still just be like, oh yeah, this movie fucking rocks. Yeah. I think um, you make a good point, Ernie, because I don't remember if I necessarily saw this in theaters, but I do have that really vivid vivid imagery in my head. And I wonder if it's also because of like syndication to the toy market and all that, because I'm sure after this yeah. movie blew up, it probably really blew up in Target and Toys R Us. Yeah, know, well, they, yeah, things. because they also weren't it's not like Star Wars, like the later trilogy where they were giving like years in between these movies. Like it was one year, one year, one year back to back. Yeah. To so back. there wasn't a ton of time to launch everything like it was just it was still gaining steam when this last one came out. Um, and and by, it. by the time of this one, they knew that there was a whole market out there to cash in mm-hmm. on. You know, and I, I don't know if they intended for these movies to be like all ages or like have something for children. To they, they, were cho- they were children's books, though. So there must have been some thought. Yeah, but the the movies, the movies are uh, they're dark. This yeah, one, well, this one's dark. Yeah, this I was going to say this is like the most the closest that the franchise gets to horror. There's yeah. like some truly like some spooky shit in here. But there's still stuff that kids will like. Yeah. You know, like Ghibli and Legolas counting how many people they've killed, you know, and then Ghibli's like, it still only counts as one, you know, like that's I, I could be a little eight year old and be like, oh, <laughs> I, I was Gimli. How, we, we were like eight, nine when yeah. this came out. Right. Yeah. Yep, yeah. So it was like ten. right. That perfect age. OK, so real quick before we dive in, we do have a listener email. R.E. Lord of the Rings. Yes. Cool comes from Colin After Hours. Oh, nice. <laughs> we bought a mic at gmail.com. One day we'll meet this guy. <laughs> uh, subject line, an email for the Rotuk podcast. R-O-T-K, Return of the King. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, fellow ship Wabamanites. Oh, <laughs> man. Really setting the tone. Now, if yeah, if this doesn't continue every single word, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> I'm currently balls deep in the two towers. <laughs> well, that's not a pun. Yeah, it is Helm's Deep. Helm's oh, deep. Wow. yeah. 
And I wanted to share an interesting tidbit on the Lord of the Rings for your wonderful podcast. Trilogy. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Before Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson first worked for New Line Cinema on writing a script for an unmade Nightmare on Elm Street film titled The Dream Lover. Not only was Nightmare on Elm Street a successful horror series at the time, but it also launched New Line Cinema as a major movie studio. Colin is just educating our listeners right. now. The Elm Street. Like, God, these fucking idiots aren't even going to talk about this stuff. <laughs> the Elm Street film would have been about teenagers who are no longer scared of Freddy and purposefully take sleeping pills just so they could fall asleep and beat up Freddy because he's seen as a hack and no longer scary. That's cool. Leading up to Freddy at some point in the film to regain his confidence and start killing <laughs> yeah. again. Freddy! Did he say that? Yeah. <laughs> would have to, would have loved to have seen this script made into a feature. But despite New Line not going into production on Jackson's script, this set the foundation for him to start working with New Line and ultimately making the epic Lord of the Rings trilogy. So in a way, we have Freddy Krueger to thank for these films. Sorry for the long email. Just thought it was a fun fact for your podcast. Love you all. C. Kent Gould. <laughs> I love Thanks. that sign up. That was C. very Kent cool. Gould. Um, no, I, I knew that he wrote a script for a uh, Freddy Krueger Friday the 13th movie, but I just, I never, or not Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street movie, yeah. but I never, uh, I never knew what it was. That would have been a fucking incredible horror comedy yeah it would have because i i did some research too because i was flabbergasted that uh he was the choice to adapt the unadaptable series into like mammoth hundred hundred million dollar movies it's pretty nuts yeah so that's one part of the equation and the other part is just he really really wanted it and he knew the right he like contacted the right people about it he he was he like you know nosed around sniffed around hollywood to locate the rights for this and just fought until he got it he obviously uh, already knew everything there was to know about Lord of the Rings. He was a fan. He's not just like some guy coming in like, yeah, you know, like Ron Howard, like, yeah, I could do it. <laughs> sure. I'll just man. Ron Howard's on. Lord of the Rings is a completely different thing. A <laughs> little bit. Uh, Russell Crowe is Aragorn for sure. Yeah. And also uh, like, you know, I was wondering because he was mostly just known as like a solid, uh, if not super profitable horror director. But like you said, that comes into play a lot during these movies. There's great horror direction. Also, uh, it doesn't have to be horror uh, to utilize his skills he acquired with VFX and right. like monsters and just generally ambitious uh, visual art. I mean, this pioneered so much. And I think that, you know, obviously all these movies were made kind of in a lump bulk, but you can see a progression from Fellowship to Towers to Return. And I think that this one capitalizes on the two previous ones on a technical and visual level so so much obviously they had more time to work on it you know so you you get to polish everything but it just looks so good it, it to me it looks the best out of all three of them it is some mm. of the most striking perfect impeccable visuals i've, I've ever seen it's it's it has incredible like, like less bad 
CGI. Right. That, yeah, that's a good distinction because it's all good, but there there's less of just like, uh, you know, moments where you're like, okay, well, I couldn't, yeah. you know, there are only a few in this but one. There, there is still some cheese. Oh, there's no, there's absolutely still moments where you're like, well, it, the thing is, but yeah, it works. Well, also uh modern you know if it were made in modern times i'm not convinced that it would be much better no yeah because they use so much practical effects and stuff like that where more and more studios are just going to we will just do like we'll fix it all in post i mean we can talk about the orc that looks like he's straight up out of the goonies because <laughs> the that doesn't look person that doesn't I have, look great i have but, a little note on that that he looks like anthony hopkins yeah <laughs> yeah he is a little i have a, I did, a hopkins a quick, quick aside do you think that peter jackson and his background in horror and then making mega blockbusters Hot. Is the reason why <laughs> Brett just showed a picture of the orc. Um, do you think that his background of horror and then making successful blockbusters is the reason why Marvel has been taking up a lot of small budget horror directors and moving them and like putting mm-hmm. them in charge? Like think about like John Watts. Mm-hmm. He just made like a couple like D list horror movies. Yeah, and they're the, like, yeah, you're in charge of Spider-Man now. The yeah. answer to this is almost definitely yes. Like Jackson yeah. was the one who started. I mean, look this. at Raimi. Yeah. Ra- with I Spider-Man. Mean, he, yeah, exactly. But that was kind of contemporary. You know, that was kind of around the same yeah, time. I guess Raimi this. was the first like did it first. But still, Jackson definitely had to be a big inspiration for that as well. So I've I have a question for you guys. And I don't know. I, I think this question might fit in more to like the after discussion, but I figure I bring it up now in case we're like trying to wrap up quick at the end, but there's this Amazon show coming that is supposed to take place in this universe and a game. I think Amazon's doing the game too. So, yeah. So, well, I mean that, that just kind of opens up the question of like, you know, these three movies are so perfect. And now we live in an era of like endless spinoffs and sequels. And like, does that taint the, perfection of these movies that's that's a separate no. question it it okay well what's the question then so it's more about the plot so if it's if, if this new amazon show is supposed to take place in this same world right that is established in these movies that we're seeing two thousand years of this ring being in the river before smeagol finds it it's supposed to take place in those 2000 years. What's happening in these 2000 years? Is it a time of peace? Like, I'm so curious about that because when I see like the tower of, of, uh, of Mordor, the, the Sauron eye, like when did that happen? Has that always been there? Given how immense, uh, Tolkien's like fleshed out universes, I'm assuming there is a canonical answer to these questions. What, like do you know yeah like it's hard for me to remember like any kind of specifics really but there's so much more text that's just it's, not addressed there's like all of the silmarillion that we don't talk about like there's history that goes like way way further back like to the start of the freaking like universe basically yeah so well, i'd imagine i don't know if they're going to adhere to it strictly but i'm 100 sure that there is a concrete answer to this yeah in I, the it, books or something there could be a lot of flexibility there perhaps that they don't have to adhere to like a like this, this story had to adhere to very specific plot points mm-hmm. from these books. So there wasn't a lot of flexibility because this could this Amazon show kind of be its own unique it's, thing. Well, I think it's important for them not to call it the Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. OK, that's that's interesting. Because the Hobbit didn't do that. And it would have even been worse if they did. 
you know, because it's not the Lord of the Rings. These three movies are the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the other books aren't called Lord well, of the Rings. Especially right. because this is not even based on like it's based in the universe, but I'm assuming the, the content isn't based on the book. So it would be outright disrespectful, I feel, to call it Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I would just be a cash grab. And I think that what you guys are saying is what gives me a little bit of hope for the Amazon show, because I think what we saw with The Hobbit is that The Hobbit is what you get when you try and milk the story that's already written for everything that's worth. And I think that this has higher potential because it's like, okay, we have this sandbox to work with that we can just kind of play around and do whatever we want that adheres to the rules of this world that we already have established. And that excites me a lot more than just like, yeah, let's split this one movie up into <laughs> this one book up into three movies and just kind of milk yeah, this cow for well, the, all that it's worth. The floor is lower though. Too. Yes. Low yeah. floor, high ceiling with this. They threw like all of their money into it. Uh, Amazon being facetious, of course, they Jeff Bezos basically threw a quarter at it. But <laughs> what's what's that one video game where you play as like you, he's the character, the main character looks like Aragorn. He's like going around fighting or shadows of Mordor. Shadows, yeah. I never played that, but it looked amazing. I, I did play the video game that's just called Return of the King. And it, that shit was amazing. Mm. So dope. And we should also shout out uh, Lord of the Rings Conquest. I think we yeah. mentioned that in the first step. First, maybe. I mean, that game is holy shit. So good. So, yeah. so good. So, you know, cultural phenomenon, absolute mainstream hit, 11 Oscars. But is it any good? <laughs> I was going to say, I am kind of sad we can't do the Oscar game for this episode unless you just want to like <laughs> question me on things that I didn't win for. Like, I got you. If, you want, if you want to know who won for acting, it was all Mystic River. That yeah, was Sean Penn. Yeah. yeah. And then people were like, uh, you guys get your couple. Yeah, but this is on. this is Lord of the Rings here. <laughs> uh, so how how do we feel about this movie? Do we like should, it? Should we go into... I, I just started my notes right at the beginning. I, I don't have any like precursor. We notes. all like movie. <laughs> movie good. Dude, where do you guys think that this uh ranks in the in the trilogy? Over I I think this is my favorite. Not mine. Uh I don't want to rank it though. This is three uh fingers on the same hand. Yeah. Why, okay. why rank yeah, it? Yeah, I think they're all very very It's really fascinating that they're all so close. I think that's because they made them all together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I like if I had to rank one highest, I think Two Towers is just the best movie movie. Okay. I like the battle in Two yeah. Towers more than I like the battle in this. For sure. They have, it's because, very well done. Yeah, they the battle, but also um the the pacing of Two Towers is better. This mm -hmm. one gets a little slow. There there are parts. It, it's a little where rushed sometimes. It's well, too. yeah, that's the thing. They they have to close so many loops, but also they're taking their time in other areas yeah. that I yeah. don't think they needed to. I mean, but this is all minor issues. Yeah, I, I think that what it kind of comes down to from from what you guys said is that it's all like picking nits between these three movies. Like they're all pretty much perfect films from what they are. I think that what made me admire this movie so much on this last watch through is because we've watched, we've seen so many different stories just totally drop the bag when it comes to wrapping up and yep. making a very satisfactory ending. I mean, from game of Thrones to star Wars, like we just see it time and time again in these fantasy worlds where we spend all this time and effort and really, really get into these characters and their story. And then the creators are like, all right, time. I got a new gig lined up after this. So like, can we wrap this story up? Yeah. And this, 
I mean, we'll talk about the many, many endings of this movie, but Peter Jackson didn't want this movie to end, and I didn't either. I just wanted to live in this world forever. It's, it's almost three and a half hours long. Yeah, theatrical yeah. cut. Like, that's unheard yeah, and of. I remember, like, stuff missing that I think was just deleted scenes and, like, director's cut. Or extended edition stuff. Yeah, compared, because I just yeah. watched it on HBO. Yeah, HBO mm-hmm. Max. Yep. Yeah, so I... I think this is my favorite of the three. I mean, obviously it's very, very close, but I just think that this movie has all the payoffs. It has all of the resolution. It it looks the best out of the three of them to me. You know, there's just so much there in terms of like the texture of it, the dirt and the grime Hmm. of it, the look of the fucking ghosts, the spiders webs, like there's the oliphants, like there's so much going on that could be easily... Isn't that what they're called? Yeah, they're called Oliphants. Yeah, yeah. the Timothy Oliphants. Timothy Oliphants, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Um, There's so much that could have gone horribly wrong, especially revisiting it 17 years later. That could just look like awful. That holds up so well. And I don't know, just emotionally and like character wise, there's just so many great moments in this movie that it's it's not like head over here like just flat out the best one because i love the other two so much but i i just got to pick this one i do have a question though in terms of like you know we we did say that the first one fellowship does focus a lot on frodo Mm. do we think that that stays true all the way like is frodo the main character of this whole story across three movies and i have a couple points to that that i can maybe bring up later on me too like so let's yeah let's details. table this because i have a, a good conversation involving this yeah because it's 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 an ensemble movie mm-hmm. like Absolutely. we spend plenty of time with gandalf and pippin yes in this movie but in this one in particular i think that frodo and sam got a lot of time to shine particularly sam yeah sean astin, sean astin kills Bro, it in this movie it's a tricky performance he is like so crying good. for most of this movie <laughs> and i i he really he really got me in this he's a far better actor than elijah he is a lot better than elijah listen elijah has some really great moments in this movie sean Aston is like an actor yeah. sean Aston is like a capital a actor yeah and he absolutely is oh my god every every scene with him i thought was pretty pure gold mm-hmm. Um, whereas in, in the second one it's just you know he's he's there but it's a lot of him kind of getting tabled kind of getting cucked by uh Gollum. yeah for sure <laughs> just in every single scene he's like you know i don't like that little fucker that's that's a lot of what we get this one he gets a thick wife gets, <laughs> <laughs> i mean what else do you that's want that's my favorite ending <laughs> just played by his actual wife i mean and, that's the ending and, like that's the last thing we see in the movie is sam and his wife <laughs> that's how the whole thing ends um so I think, you know, we can just start right up at the top. Um, Smeagol. Yeah. The origin. Birth of Gollum. Yeah. It's really so awesome well place to start the movie. Oh, mm-hmm. Perfection. The way he looks when he's like halfway transitioned is like one of the maybe the scariest visual it's, in the whole series horrifying. for me when his eyes are still small. But there's there's a moment man. where you can like see it shift that's yeah yeah super on purpose yeah he blinks and he has just fucking huge exactly yeah it really uh like i like viscerally hated to look at him (laughs) in those (laughs) moments although i mean honestly if you just see him just see him ask smeagol you're like yeah dude's gonna be like a fucking gross little rodent man yeah i I, uh (laughs) circus isn't the most attractive (laughs) man but you know he he does what he can well also the 
like we can't understate how like the positive value that he's bringing to this role, because if you watch any other orc uh, character, which are largely played by like stunt actors, extra actors, just like the New Zealand army or whatever, the way that a lot of them move because they are being creatures is is pretty corny. They're 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 like zombie actors at Universal Halloween Horror Nights in a way. And it it really just brings out how fucking good this man is at, as being Gollum physically. The well, physicality of the character, because it's it's more than any other uh, fake character, more than any other orc. He has to be on the ground most of the time. And uh, you buy it through and through. Really, I, really impressive shit. I also think, I mean, this is more of a credit to Tolkien than it is to Jackson, I'm assuming. But I think that it's really important that Smeagol is not the one who finds the ring first. It's his brother. And like that jealousy was already established, like from the get go. It's not like he had it and then his brother tried to take it from him or anything like he already was just trying to steal it right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. For those that aren't really sure what we're talking about, Ernie's usually the guy to uh to address this. But what we're talking about is the opening scene in this movie gives you a background on um, Smeagol slash Gollum, how he obtains the ring. Yeah, you know, you, you get a lot more of that in The Hobbit, but this goes even further yeah, back. His, his brother finds it, and oh, it's uh, his brother. Yeah, and okay. Smeagol, I they were like, well, is it Brett? Friends? I Actually, think his name is like Deagle, so it must be his brother. <laughs> like, that's why they became friends. Yeah. Smeagol um, and Deagle. It also just it it shows uh, that even though Smeagol wasn't necessarily a bad person at all, he did immediately fall like crazy deep into the ring trap, like faster than any other character we saw. Yeah. Uh, which makes a lot of sense considering where he ended up by story time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean the whole moment of him strangling his, his brother is just like, holy shit right away. Yeah. You're just in it. And that's, that's the thing with the story is like, it's almost like, you get caught up in it and you have to remind yourself that like, it's all about this ring. Like that's the reason why everybody is fighting, why this whole war is breaking out. It's the perfect little like flashback mm-hmm. because it's not, you know, they could have done a flashback that was like in the Hobbit or something, you know, well, but that's not how the story goes. And also uh, it, it's like speaking toward how all these movies are sort of self-sustaining little ecosystems. This is a thing you could put at the beginning of the first right. fucking movie. It's the ring. Yeah. It's the introduction to but the it ring. Works and they fucking so waited. Well. Yeah. To make it. So this is a closed loop of a movie. It's what, brilliant filmmaking. What's incredible is this is like a two minute scene. Like it's so short and it gives you something for the character and sets you up on the course of the story that you're about to right. go into. So, oh, yeah. So next up, we have what is it? We have, you know, Mary some of the fellowship Pippen. together. We have Mary and Pippin. Well, Mary and Pippin just chilling, Treebeard taking over management, Isengard just running <laughs> yeah. shit over there. There's a small scene with Frodo, Sam, and Gollum that I wanted to point out because right away, when we pick up with Sam and Frodo again, we're introduced to this dynamic where Sam uh, is so willing to sacrifice himself mm-hmm. for Frodo. He tells him that he is not going to eat the bread so that Frodo has enough to keep going. It's yeah, it's a really good moment. Yeah. Like not only is it a Sean Astin performance moment, but the character gets so much time to shine because we see that though he isn't necessarily the chosen one, he cannot handle carrying the ring. He is just as instrumental to it getting to where it needs to be as Frodo is Mm -hmm. like he 
the it's it's frustrating to watch because there are always plot lines like this where someone is actively sabotaging another character and you're just watching it happen over and over yeah. and you know it's going to come to a head uh so it's it's rough to watch especially because of the immense purity of this man this gardener there, there's a lot that they in- there's a lot of time spent to make you believe that Frodo and Sam's relationship would get fragmented mm-hmm. for a little portion of the movie, including like the opener of the movie. So for sure. Yeah. But then we do pick up with the remains of the fellowship. And I thought it was a little odd how they're just like greeting each other. Like, hey, Yo. what's up? What you've been up to? Well, the best <laughs> is Mary and Pippin because they thought or, or not Mary and Pippin. I guess they get they get separated. And then whenever they join back in together, there's later no on in the big movie, embrace. But yeah, no, because they just like the the triple threat trio just like ride up and they're like, oh, hey, look, they, they took over Isengard. No. <laughs> and yeah. they, we don't even get a shot of Christopher Lee. They're just like, oh, yeah, he's in there. You yeah. know, he doesn't have any power. Yeah, I was wondering, did we Christopher Lee, him. he was like, I have two weeks on the set. And then he's like, I got to bounce. <laughs> oh, he was doing um, Star Wars. He was yeah, um, right. Yeah, yeah, that is like around the same time. I think Count I think Dooku. Treebeard says that actually. Yeah, he said he said he has a Count Dooku thing. Yeah, yeah, he has a thing. He had a heart out at six, and you know, schedule ran late at seven thirty. George Lucas called. Yeah, and Peter Jackson was like, "Oh yeah, please take him. He's yeah, yeah, he's bogging down my my low." Christopher Lee, the uh, legend. A quick note about Marion Pippin because they do get a lot of screen time in this, though separated for the majority of the movie. Um, Pippin is is dumb. There's something wrong with Mary. Full of a took. No, Mary is like medically like there's a problem because they smoke the they smoke so much goddamn weed. (laughs) And Mary, Mary is like Pippin. I know you're addicted. Take the rest of the weed with you. (laughs) Yeah, Mary tells him at one point when Pippin leaves, he's just like, "You smoke too much, Pippin." I'm always telling you this. but, But Mary, like the way he is treated leading up to this battle, there it's like. It, it it reaches the point of just becoming like high comedy, how aggressively <laughs> dumb he is. It's it's like the episode of The Office where Holly thinks that there's something wrong with Kevin. <laughs> like they, yeah. that's the level it, that it they're treating much, him yeah, at. Yeah, pretty much is that. Because He's like, it, I want to fight with the big guys. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Maybe, it's like, maybe stand back they, here. They think that just because he's short that he's a child. But he's a grown, he's not tall, but he's a grown yeah, person. But he is Hobbit. really dumb. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it got to the point where I was like, this is a little too but much. But they, they tell you that from like the very beginning of the trilogy that like these guys are stupid. Yeah, with like the fireworks, yeah. like doing like fucking like Karl Marx slapstick shit. Yeah. <laughs> Key moment at, at this. Karl Marx slapstick. Did you like that? <laughs> Shout out oh, to a uh, Dominic Monaghan. I love his faces, his like smirks that he has that are just yeah. like. Mm. He's also sort of uh, MVP of the special features. He, the guy's very good at talking. Yeah. Uh, kind of surprising. <laughs> so they find the orb of Saruman. Yeah. He uses to communicate with Sauron. P- Pippin finds it. Yeah. yeah. He's drawn to it. And when I was talking about images being burned in my brain from watching this 17 years ago. The moment where Gandalf grabs it in his robe. Yeah, me too. That is burned in my brain. I must have seen it in theaters because I felt the exact same way about this one. Because I, I don't remember the last time I watched it, but I was like, man, all of these images are in my brain. Yeah, like I, just just that motion of him reaching with the robe and grabbing this orb. It's like there's something so tactile about that. It's Yeah, so you get that sequence and then you have Pippin like, you know, taking the orb and then when they go i wrote down a quote because i thought it was awesome where gandalf is like i need to get pippin out of here because you know the eye is going to be looking for us and he says run shadow facts show us the meaning of haste 
Yes. Oh, that's, that's, that's fucking awesome. Mm. There's a really good moment in that where uh, Mary is like running up the the castle or what the fort to like see as Gandalf is riding away. And there's just like a soldier like trying to make his way up the steps and Mary like pushes him away. And then Aragorn's like trying to get by and he also pushes him away. Moments like that are why I fucking love Peter Jackson, because you didn't need to put a soldier extra in the way of your main characters. But you did. Because why? Because you want to create a sense of realism. And in a movie as big as this, with as much going on, with such a big story on such a massive scale to tell, any other director would probably not think to do that. To tell this guy to like, hey, just stand there and like slowly go up the steps and get pushed aside <laughs> as people are trying to come yeah, up. It's also kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of that in this movie. And all of, of yeah, them. a lot of a lot of intentional question mark comedy in the movie. Um, which is, you know, all credit to it. If you're laughing, you're laughing. Um, another thing that happened. Oh, the the this, cable, uh, we gotta God uh Yo, yo, there we go. Um, another thing that happens during the sequence uh, where we see Aragorn for the first time, it just made me laugh. Another possibly unintentional comedy is Eowyn trying to learn Elvish to like talk to him. I was just like, she, yo, she trying to get it now. <laughs> like she's like, I learned Elvish, dude. You wanna, you wanna this now, is or? a horny movie. <laughs> there are multiple <laughs> subplots. Where Look. people are wanting each other. Frodo and Sam. Yeah. Frodo and uh, Mary, Sam. Mary and Pippin. Gollum in the ring. <laughs> he's he's, it's he's like, it's a cock ring. ring. <laughs> I mean, it'll probably fit. He's a little shrivelly little dude. It changes It changes size, though. It's like the perfect cock ring. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of not in that way, because isn't the point of the cock ring to... Uh, you know, never mind. We don't need to... <laughs> You don't. What do you think Sauron like uses it for? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that's what this whole movie's about. Yep. It's not even about power; it's about pleasure. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And that's the mm -hmm. podcast. All right, mm -hmm. thanks for listening, Bye. everybody. Um. <laughs> Play us off, Vin. <laughs> <laughs> so Aowyn wants it so okay. so bad, and we don't even really get a close to that. It's just, we do, yeah, we do. Um, oh yeah, she, I guess she settles for her brother. Is that no, what happens? No, <laughs> she is not no, no there's, there's this a, is not Game of Thrones, okay? Like on the eve of battle, there's a point where Eowyn is like, Do you even know why I'm here? So and there's like she says that to Aragorn, and there's two things that there's one that she wants to fight, but it's also that she loves him and he's like, I can't yeah. give you what you want. Yeah, he says something like, You love the idea of me, or yeah. something like that. Like, it's no, just, I think that's that's like some other romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. He, no, he says, uh, Liv Tyler is marginally hotter than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Elf. I can't, I can't let go of that elf pussy. But Eowyn gets her, gets her fill later in the movie in history. But this, yeah, this, that's the thing. It's yeah, her, her comeuppance is not romantic. She, you know, saves her. Blah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I am no man. That's it's such a great moment. Mm -hmm. So this this earlier moment, though, she hands Aragorn a drink and you're like, oh, man, she, if he is drinking her drink <laughs> like midsummer. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're in it now. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'm going to bring this up later, but my point about this being a horny movie, swords are very phallic. Absolutely. And Peter Jackson understands that on a level that I didn't mm -hmm. 
notice. You guys mm-hmm. are ridiculous because I literally have a note talking about swords and like a little bit of extra sword <laughs> lore, but I swear to God, I did not come here to be like, swords are like kind of like dicks. Well, I mean, this is, stu- no, Brett, I mean, I took the reforging. you learn in film classes. No, like I, this is not I a get, joke. I get that, that it's phallic, but God damn it. Well, so you're saying that you've seen this movie how many times? You never took the reforging of the sword as a metaphor for circumcision? <laughs> you mean reverse circumcision? Yeah, put, get, putting that thing back on. <laughs> That's, Which I'm still I, I did like point. two and a half years ago. <laughs> yeah. Snip, snap, <laughs> snip. <laughs> uh, Holy shit. This podcast is already on. No, you, this is true, though. And this is things that, like, it's come up multiple times in film classes <laughs> I've taken. Like, every single object that is borderline phallic <laughs> it is used yeah. for phallic purposes. And, and in Peter film. Jackson, there's so many scenes in this movie where I'm like, Peter, Peter, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and what is, uh, I don't know, what is the actual word for, like, uh, phallic but with vagina? Uh, do we know? Well, uh, well, the point is, do you know what is that? Is the ring? Oh my god! It is coveted by every man. man so oh. you can quit film school. Everybody. Pursued by all. Wow. Yeah. Why didn't they send a here. female to take the ring? They, yeah, it would have been so honestly. Easy. Yeah, she would have been like, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. not gay. Toss that shit. <laughs> okay, so moving right along. Yeah, let's go. We're partying. Mary and Pippin are singing a jig, a jolly on the table. We're having a great time. I want to learn that song. I want to perform it for my friends one day. Seems like a great time. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, then we bounce back to um, Gollum just being a fucking difficult motherfucker talking yeah. to himself again. We get that moment and with, with Sam like basically being like, yo, you're trying to kill us. I, I'll admit that. First of all, I said up front, I didn't remember hardly anything from any of these movies. Not entirely sure if I saw them mm-hmm. at any point in full. I, I kind of went to bat for Gollum in the, in the last episode, um, though at the end, obviously, it's clear he's going to make a heel turn throughout the movie, though, watching the second movie. I was like, he really is genuinely trying and he was trying to overcome it's like a dual personality. Type yeah. Of thing. And I was almost thinking that it would be since Tolkien is so altruistic, uh, this would be the one villain in the entire series who is not ugly because otherwise we're playing with very traditional appearances for our heroes and our villains. Uh, that is not the case, unfortunately, though he does make a point uh, to show us that it's not entirely Smeagol's fault. Uh, that said, Gollum is so goddamn annoying in this movie. He annoys the absolute shit out of me. Well, I mean, it's I, he was all good. And then Faramir kind of sent him off the deep end. So I Faramir is the the LVP of this universe. Um, And I, I mean, you agreed with me last episode about the guy playing Faramir, David Wenham. He's replacement level, yes. right? Discount yeah, Weasley. But he did, he did, I thought he did a little better in this he one. He does better he in this one, better, absolutely. Yeah, yeah but I sure. think you could put most actors in this yeah, role. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just like, you know, batting for Lord of the Rings here, but I think it kind of works because he's supposed to be like a worse Boromir. It's true. Well, that, no, I mean, the, it, that's a good yeah, point. Plays I into the relationship with the father. Exactly. He ain't no Sean I was going to say, I think that that's why he works better in this movie is whenever we meet uh, Lord Denethor, like his father. And he, you can tell like he's just been the little brother his entire yeah. life. And like he's been kicked around forever. I honestly wouldn't even be shocked if they gave the Faramir part to someone whose Boromir audition didn't go that great. You know what I mean? Whoa. 
Yeah, yeah. I that's. That. I mean, that's what happens for yeah, a lot of. It, it probably it probably like goes down the list. Like it started with Boromir, and then you go Faramir, and then like Aomir, and it just like keeps going down like to the to Rohan. Yeah, Carl Urban really wanted to be yeah. <laughs> Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god, I would love to see that audition. That's a whole different movie. It's the boys, but in the you Lord shall not universe. pass with some eyebrows and forehead. What are you on about? <laughs> That guy, by the way, John Noble, the, was, the oh man, the steward of Gondor, he is nasty. So good. He is so fucking yeah, good. He's in this a nasty I was waiting until we got to yeah. everything with Minas Tirith to talk about him because he is incredible in this movie. Well, let's yeah. yeah, let's talk so, a little Minas Tirith. Well, let's let's just keep moving right along sure. here. Just uh, you, they they Pippin gets his hands on the orb and uh, Sauron sees it. And everybody's like, oh, fuck, we're fucked. And we're well, fucked. Everybody, everybody's fucked. He thinks because Sauron knows that a hobbit has it and he sees a hobbit holding it. So that's why they have to get out of town is because they're like, Sauron now thinks that you have the ring. Like, you are the most fucked out of all of us. This and is, we got to get out of this here. Is, I didn't have much to say about this, but this is a classic moment of like Harry Potter and Voldemort seeing into each other's heads because yep. Sauron sees the hobbit, but then also that Pippin connection. sees the white tree of Gondor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then uh, we see Arwen deciding yeah. to turn the fuck around. She sees her uh, sees her little baby. It's such a sweet moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, baby looks at her and he, and she turns back, goes to Rivendell, talks to her dad. And she's like, yo, why don't you tell me I'm going to have a son? I don't want to go to the everlasting lands. What, what is it called? <laughs> it's whatever uh, they're called. The after the Elven yeah, afterlife. Let you work on it. Uh, happily never after. I could look through my two towers notes for the name of it, but uh, she doesn't want it. She doesn't want in. She's like, I want to die. I want a son. Uh, and I want to be the mortal, uh, version of existence. So then, uh, we get to Minas Tirith. So what an incredible fucking visual of it looks this. so yeah. good i want to i want to settle down in Minas Tirith. it just looks like so dope it actually i think maybe it's because of we've been watching kind of avatar core level it stuff. is very bossing say very bossing say but vertical vertical no but exactly we're like the lower class are on the bottom tier and then as you move up to the top you get like the more sophisticated the upper class and everything very very bossing say vibes from here's this. here's what i love about this moment where pippin and, and gandalf arrive you get a shot of uh them stopping at the hill and just admiring they're like ah yes minas tirith let's just let's stop the horse here and just look mm-hmm. and then when they actually enter there's no fuss about it it's like oh here comes gandalf the white everybody let him in you know no question about it and then you know you have this massive, you have this massive castle and the time it takes for him to ascend to the top, you mm-hmm. get the sense that it's like, this this guy's riding for a, a while. Mm-hmm. Like it must take a minute to get up yeah. this thing. That's I, I said uh, during the Two Towers episode that one of the great choices is Peter Jackson's immense patience with showing us. <laughs> Like how long it takes to get from place to place. Yeah. It pays off. And then we meet uh, John Noble's. Denethor. Denethor. Oh, yeah. What? What His his initial scene, he's doing crazy like 
micro expression shaking like facial acting that you would uh, you can tell which dudes in this are Shakespearean theater actors very mm-hmm. easily I think and he's definitely one of them he's snivelly he's, he's gross so gross looking like he honestly he kind of looks like a worm tongue yeah like grown up like he just he looks worm so tongue disgusting. With, with like coke jaw he also I mean <laughs> he's like the perfect uh father figure of this family because he's just another member like between Boromir, Faramir and now Denethor we see that this is just this isn't just one bad seed they're just all like very power hungry people like this guy was just a steward and he's just like no the king can't come back this is my land now what's interesting about that point is that aspect of man is what defines the third age of men because at the end of stunted yeah, at the end of the return of the king, that's when the fourth age begins. When it's like the fourth age of man, when you have Aragorn ruling over men. So that might lead a little bit into what that show might be like. You know, this like how humans are really sucky. Like a sequel to this story? No, but you said like before all of this. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. What led to this? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we could see that like the people of Gondor, the, the men of the West, all that stuff. I wanted to mention that... um. Yeah, like you were saying, uh, Minas Tirith looks super, super fucking good. It's like good the miniatures visual. look really great, but also the sets like look fantastic, nice and white. Like yeah. it's supposed to be. I really like the moment of Pippin speaking with Denethor. I think it's like super charming because he's like he's like backing up everybody who's backed him up up yeah. to that point. I offer you my services, and then Gandalf's like, "Get the fuck up, <laughs> yeah, yeah you and fucking idiot." And get at that point, Gandalf is like. You can see that his like the bottom of his robes are starting to weather and gray. And it reminds you that Gandalf is still Gandalf. Even yeah. He's like Gandalf the white. Now. He was so clean in towers. Yes. yes. Like perfectly white. I mean, to your point about the setting looking like pristine and everything, it doesn't or looking white. I guess why I loved is that it doesn't look completely pristine. It looks like whenever you have like a white house and it's weathered by like a couple decades of like storms and stuff like that. Like it, it does have the insides of it are very regal, but outside it does look a little bit worn down, which I think kind of adds mm. to this whole meaning of this. Like this was once a great, powerful city, but it's not the Emerald city anymore. Mm-hmm. Now we kind of, we have a faulty leader and we are in troubled times right now. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that a fallout reference mm-hmm. or a wizard of Oz, re- wizard of Oz reference? Emerald that was a hundred percent wizard of Oz reference. We don't talk about video games. in the show. <laughs> Thank you. And we mission impossible fallout. I have time for, but what mm. I, so what I thought was interesting about um, that scene of just talking to Denethor was Gandalf is like, very cordial yeah and because denethor is not completely wrong in his response but gandalf is like he completely understands what the fuck is wrong with this guy he's a psychopath instantly and he's like let's let's go yeah over the course of these movies we meet so many people who have just been absolutely turned inside out by the quest for power and just wielding power having power uh i mean that's what i'm talking about with like having to kind of remind yourself why everybody's fighting mm-hmm. you you kind of lose sight of it it's like what what's going on and then it's like it's that's the point there is no yeah. reason for everybody yeah, to just fight. the haves and have nots are always going to have and yeah feuds with each other it, it you know it leads into the ultimate quest with the ring like literally no one can wield ultimate power it is not possible you just have to try to be as good as you can Really, so, really sweet. So the next chunk of the movie, we're kind of cutting between Sam, Frodo, and Gollum in these like caves where the Urukai and the orcs are emerging with their army. 
then back in Minas Tirith with Gandalf and Pippin and back with uh, Theoden and, you know, the triple threat trio and, and all these guys waiting around to see if Minas Tirith and Gondor will will call for them. So the movie kind of does this really good job of of jumping around to all these different things. And I think that it does feel a little bit rushed, but it kind of has to be because you you got to get to it. Like we've already had two movies of plot. Like we get it. Like let's, let's hit it every point as quickly as possible. Yeah. It doesn't, I understand if people think it's rushed. I don't think it's rushed. I, I think it's think done. so at all. I thought it was like slower than two towers. Maybe that was just me. I so I didn't I didn't have a pacing at all. Like I'm I would talking say mostly about like the work. first half of the movie. I think it does take more of its time towards the end. That's that, yeah. that's probably what I'm referring yeah, to. I yeah, I also I think the reason another reason it feels slower is because we have to see a, a like not a crazy amount, but a solid amount of almost every single speaking character that has mm -hmm. been in all three of the movies. And so it starts to drag when we are bouncing around. If we get like, say, two sequences in a row featuring characters that we care about less than our you know, main group, mm -hmm. it's it starts to feel a little bit like, OK, get back to the cool guys, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's still some definite highlights we get. A big beam to the sky, which I did clap my hands whenever I the saw original. that. Was this the OG big beam into the sky it looks movie great. <laughs> that every other superhero movie afterwards was just like, well, we got to have a giant beam that goes up to the sky. Like, what what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah I really. Um, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. You go ahead. Yeah, I really like how on that note, how Minas Morgul is juxtaposed with Minas Tirith here. So you get this like you, you get to see that both sides of the war are being fleshed out and i'll talk a little bit more about that later like what that means like for the actual battle and then we also hear about the witch king of angmar big oh, boy antagonist yeah. who we've seen before so good who's like it's amazing how it's like somebody who's like face you don't see but still has like such relevance in the story like it doesn't make sense to me and it's teased you when you don't even know it's being teased right yeah. it's the guy who stabs frodo mm -hmm. in fellowship and it's the one guy on the nazgul dragon mm -hmm. thing in towers Mm -hmm. Like it's perfectly seated so that it makes sense when it's revealed like, oh, this ring wraith is not just any ring wraith. He's the witch king. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, this movie, more than any of the others, does another thing that uh, involving like recollecting all the insane shit we've seen so far. Uh, Peter Jackson uses flashbacks a lot in this movie. Yeah. And they can be seen as like a little corny because it's super early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh but there's it's really tough to I guess nowadays you would do just a hard cut flashback. Um, that's that's the more modern. This is like a flashbacks. slow. -mo These are fade. It's, the, it's the fade. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, oh, the, no. it's the transitions. You're right. Um, but it works. Well, no, you have to do flashbacks. Yeah. Like the the mechanism by which he does is one thing. But I really think that like 90 percent of filmmakers, if tasked with making all three of these movies, would have used a narrator. I, Oof, that would have been don't rough. you think i mean most novel adaptations yeah. do use a narrator because you almost have to even though these aren't first person books uh you have to just because there's so much shit to go over and he uses flashbacks he uses uh visual you know exposition in a great way he uses uh character dialogue you know characters catching each other up on shit that's happened like in the last movie when they literally do a catch-up corner that is kind of a narration though but it, it is done in a way that it's not just you know, like Jeremy no, Renner I, in Arrival, yeah, exactly. just talking directly to you. I would, I would imagine that a lot of filmmakers would make 
it so Gandalf is narrating this because he has the best voice of anyone in the movie. Mm-hmm. Or Bilbo, maybe. And he's or, sort of I mean, an overseeing yeah, force. Yeah, or do you know Bilbo I mean? since he or Bilbo or Frodo because they are actually the ones yeah. that write Well, the yeah, but, it would, but that would be hard because what you don't want to do if you're using narrators be like, so then me and my friend went down here. You would want Gandalf almost just to be like a third person, yeah. not narrating any of his just scenes, but just voice. all the other scenes. Yeah. <laughs> That's like I kept imagining. I can't believe he got away with not using a narrator when the story is this dense. Yeah, and he, and it's like nine over nine, ten hours. Like, yeah, pretty much. And there's no narrator. That is like one of the biggest feats I've with ever so seen. So many characters. Yeah, and so many locations. It's nice. I think what helps with that is that there's lots of little mentions of pieces of lore that that will likely go in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. But if you care to listen, like they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this I think that's what makes this series so rewatchable, kind of despite the length and everything, is that there are new things that you pick up on every single time that you watch this movie. Like every time I watch this movie, I'm like, is now the time that I finally dive into these books? And I never do. But maybe one of these days after I'm I watch dead. it, maybe I'll get into them. So one key moment. Uh, next is the lighting, the lighting of the fires. Yep. That's my name. The lighting of the oh beacons. Oh my god! This is like iconic. This is like New Zealand tourism board <laughs> yeah. advertising these wide, epic shots of mm-hmm. these mountain ranges where they're just like, "Yes, come to our country. There's, it's amazing." The the dream of the like '90s, literal '90, the year '90 <laughs> is alive in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little editor's note here. Because there's uh, on the first one that's lit by Pippin, there's a couple Gondorian guards. They're just and chilling. <laughs> one, one of them I recognize as Peter's storyboard boy. No, his storyboard way. artist in the behind the perfect. scenes. Whoa! Oh he my has like that's like really, really cool. iconic, iconic like eyebrows, like Levi eyebrows. And um, what an I was I, like, I paused. I was like, I know that face, and then I realized I took a picture. Like he's he's that guy. So that rocks. And then the the battle starts. I mean, basically, you get this initial battle where Faramir and his crew well, b- just before we get there. There's a couple of things I wanted to mention really quick. So I think that this film, as as we're building up to that, because the count the countdown to war starts really early in this movie compared to the last one. The film answers like, what does war look like in this age of this universe? You know, all the way from Frodo's journey. It's a little political in a way to like the fell beast riding Nazgul and the horror dream on the Oliphants. You get to see all that first before they actually fight. And also, I think what's so scary about this movie and the end of act one is like how even the playing fields are. Right. Because if the enemy was like kind of how it is in two towers where like they have like, oh, triple the people that we have. It doesn't feel like you're like, oh, they're going to win anyway. You can't do the same thing twice. Yeah. Yeah. It does have to feel a little bit better. I mean they did do some recruiting and stuff like that. And I think that those scenes are important because it has them like just the triple that trio and Theoden, like they're just riding town to town. Like, do you have any dudes <laughs> yeah. that can join in? Like you when you're dudes? fighting pure evil here, we could use everybody that we yeah. can. And that and, plays into the ghosts. And like. yeah. And before they go in, they have to go recruit the, um, what, uh, what are they called? I, I wrote them down. The men of the mountains. Mm. That were just yeah. Kind when, of- I, I have a little note that you know Gimli demands to go into the mountain with Aragorn, and Aragorn's like, "You guys, <laughs> that was really fun." Yeah, like really obvious. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, but the the bad guys are doing their recruiting too. I mean, this ugly ass orc dude. He wasn't in the other movies. Anthony He's Hopkins. a newbie. Yeah. His name is Gothmog. <laughs> and and Hell we yeah. get a moment with him like 
like stabbing a dude fucking point blank like he is ruthless so yeah. it kind of builds that the age animosity. of is over the time of the orc has begun yep exactly <laughs> just like that how's my work um yeah no that was actually really good oh, we go. get that moment of gandalf like lighting the way for the riders to come in mm-hmm. uh and then yeah then we have faramir like having this fallout with his father and uh, basically saying like I I will fight for you I'll re- restore my honor and he rides basically to his death to certain death right yeah and it's a really really well done scene with Pippin singing to um uh what's his face it's a it's a to, th- to, to it's a whole different tone than what we've seen before we get a couple like really dark moments mm. and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and that's a moment that in so many other films would just be so corny. Where it's just like, and now we cut to a song. Yeah. During battle. <laughs> it's tasteful. It's so tasteful because it's just completely acapella. I want Pippin to just sing me to sleep every night. Okay, so before we meet the ghosts, real quick, back to uh Salmon and and uh Frodo and Gollum. We get the moment of Gollum setting Sam up with mm-hmm. the bread. And throwing it down the cliff. So basically it's like a full freak out moment. Well, and also before that, we have Gollum like going to Frodo and just being like, he's going to ask you for the ring. Yeah. Like he's just, he's such a, he's like a master of manipulation. You can tell that he's been around for hundreds of years and he has plotted all this shit out. And he's just leading him to giant spider. It's just, I mean, did did Sam win like a Oscar for this, for this performance. I, I think wish. he's easily the best actor in this movie. He's incredible. That's correct. Him, him or Vigo. I like I I put a note, like I think Vigo's this is Vigo's best performance. He's like really restrained, mm-hmm. but he's like able to demand that respect. But Sean Aston does deserve more recognition for his performance in this entire trilogy, but especially in this movie. And Rudy. I think yeah, Vigo. I think Vigo like is kind of missing from the movie the second half. Mm-hmm. He's like now after we meet the ghost, well, he, he like kind of disappears. But at the very end, he shows up. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have more notes about that later. Yeah, but that's a good point. Well, I mean, let's get to the ghost now because that's basically the the next chunk of the movie. This is one of my favorite parts in the whole movie. It's like the way. Okay, well, first of all, Elrond in the tent handing him the sword. Mm-hmm. Absolute baller shit. Cool stuff. It's so good. I mean, talk about a. Big old fucking sword. <laughs> if you know what we mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, and also, it looks amazing. It looks amazing. And uh, once again, I mean, still you have you have Vigo just being like, well, I don't know if you want if I should go in there. They are the men. They're like sent away and all this kind of stuff, like adding more into this whole reluctant hero narrative that's been hammered home throughout this entire series. And as they're walking up to the the actual um cave they do a really good job at conveying the the horror it's not even horror it's just like spooky but it, it's just so well done like just yeah. the, the the look of it right before you go in the trees and like the narrow rocks yeah. around that them. was something because w- what i remember about the movie like i was missing that part in my brain i just remembered him arriving later in the movie with the army which was always kind of the ex machina thing. So yeah. I was really happy to see that that this little explanation was in there. Yeah. And it also, 
uh, serves to further the like the christening of Aragorn because he is straight up like I don't give a shit. Like I'm going yes, straight. He goes straight. It's, in. Yeah, he's the first one. It's very he's like, got an elf and a dwarf, and he's like fuck it i'm going in it's very like captain america like i'm worthy and i'm gonna like just tell you i'm gonna dive on the grenade yeah Yeah, exactly i mean yeah there's a reason he looks like you know christ (laughs) like he is yeah well i mean and they're just like classical hero he will answer to the king of gondor Mm -hmm. like elrond gives that whole speech so this scene with the ghosts i think it it's in the running for the best scene in the movie i'm wow there's there's better i think you could make plenty of cases for better scenes but this scene could easily be the worst scene in the movie <laughs> it's like either the best or the worst yeah i'm like mean, recruiting some ghost army exactly yeah. like we've literally we haven't seen in this series in these movies a bunch of fucking ghosts emerge from the shadows yeah like that's not something that has been introduced in this world yet especially because you get a look legolas gives the exposition right beforehand he's like this is this army we're about to meet this is what's going on but i think vigo carries that scene completely yeah a thousand percent yeah Yeah. he's gotta but it's also like from an audience perspective it's like oh oh we're doing this now yeah we're going we're doing ghosts (laughs) And and these ghosts do look good in the darkness of this cave they're in. I will say later in like the light of the final battle, they look they look kind of rough to me. Yeah, yeah, that is a little yeah. Just because of the fluorescence of their green, like it doesn't do well juxtaposed with like a red sky. But in the cave, it's it's effective. I I I do got to say credit to Lee. Her reaction to this scene is like the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. She said, as they emerge from the shadows, she says, this is like Coco, but fucked up. <laughs> Holy shit. That's pretty cool. Remember the orcs. <laughs> yeah. I, well, also, I think another thing that works really well is that, I mean, shout out to Howard Shore he also he won the Oscar for this one like he did with Fellowship for his scoring but there's no score in that scene right and there's score like almost throughout the entire movie and so yeah. the lack of score is really noticeable in that moment uh, yeah this this movie even more than all the others does a really good job with the push pull of loud and silence like loud- the, the sound design really takes center stage in a bunch of scenes which mixing did is one of the other 11 Oscars yeah, that it, won. It's, it, it's flawlessly done this this is how you do sound and editing one and it didn't win for editing motherfucker it didn't win for editing it just won for mixing Who which uh editing? is why oh, let's see probably mastering crash <laughs> yeah it might have been mastering commander actually um now that you said that no but i mean i think that yep, this is, it was yeah it was um i think that this is the it best wasn't even not yeah, I well, I mean, if it would have been nominated, it would have lost, then it uh, wouldn't have swept the Oscars. Yeah, it so. won them all. Um, Couldn't have been nominated. Yeah. So, speaking to the score, I think that this is the best score that Howard Shore does. When we, I think it happened right before they actually go in with the ghosts, but when um, Frodo actually sends Sam away and he says, Go home, Sam. And it's the Shire theme, but it's played in a minor key. Oof. Mm. That's Oof. that's just like yeah. genius that's fucking music crying. theory right there. Just to like and play Sam and is literally sobbing. Yeah. Yes. Like that is so <laughs> yeah. fucking cool. Well, because also we, we understand at that point just going home isn't necessarily easy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because that's the like, end. You're basically sending Sam to die. <laughs> to go die. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the movie, they're talking about like, oh, maybe we'll have enough 
for the ride home. And Sam is like, there there will be no journey home, Master Frodo. Yeah, that's a good line. One thing I forgot to mention, I'm sorry to go back a little bit, was when Elrond shows up, he's like a goddamn shadow in the night, right? Yeah. And then I realized, what I realized was that this parallels the way that we first meet Aragorn. And that made me think that Aragorn is, he's compared to every single leader, Mm -hmm. you know, in each, as we go through the films at every point. So he's like, he gets a little of the good from everybody. Yeah. Yeah, Well, yeah, he earns the respect of the leaders that we want him to earn the respect of. Right. Like over time. Since we went back real quick, I just wanted to shout out Gimli's reaction to Aragorn and Legolas going in the cave before him. And he's like, I'll never hear the end of it. (laughs) Gimli. 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 (laughs) Oh, speaking of. You did. You did mess with my watching of this movie. (laughs) Because every time Gimli said something, I was going, Gimli. It only counts as one. Gimli. Gimli. (laughs) Legolas like says that straight to me. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so the sound design before they make their ascend is really, really brutally flawless. Like when, when, uh, the orcs start coming out of this gate, whatever it is, do you, is there a name for this like fluorescent green gate that the, you know what I mean? That Which all are you fucking, about? that like the oh, millions of Minas, orcs start marching out of? Not Minas Tirith, but the Speaking, other. Yeah. Morgul. Yeah, right That's by the staircase. That, oh, I, right. that was when Emerald I wrote, City. like, that <laughs> was when I wrote my sound design notes because I was like, my God, like the rumbling that, that uh, ascends wow. from nothing is just gorgeous. So I have a sound bar and like uh, background speakers in my house. And Sick, this was like cool. one of the times, <laughs> humble brag there. Um, <laughs> This is one of the times I was so happy because like, the reverberations that were happening like i almost like thought my house was shaking nice. for a bit with how deep the sound went yeah. it's cool so shout out to vizio who's the sponsor of this <laughs> podcast um but yeah they're and then their their entire ascent up this ridiculous fucking staircase is is great shades of the spongebob squarepants movie mm-hmm. Anyone? for sure for mm-hmm. sure now that we're men now who came first dun, 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 we can't say can't we don't know. know we cannot know <laughs> so we have I, I wanted to mention also that you know we, we already mentioned uh faramir going into the the battle of short death mm-hmm. and just after that the orcs are catapulting heads of soldiers yeah. into minas oh, Tirith. this is yeah, a pg-13 a, rated movie yeah, he says release the prisoners <laughs> yeah. and they just send decapitated heads in yeah poor faramir with he just had some daddy issues and now he's just fucking it's being nuts. used as a bludgeoning device yeah tough to watch uh I don't know if I'm skipping ahead too much, but speaking toward just pure horror, the fucking spider sequence. I mean, yeah, well, that's, that's that a little later. Yeah, kind no, of cuts we're pretty much the- we're pretty much there. The only other thing I wanted to shout out is just this genius moment of editing as uh, Theoden and his army are getting ready to, like, actually go towards Minas Tirith. And we get that moment of um, uh, Mary and Eowyn, like, joining in the... Yes, the uh, battalion. Yeah, I have a note about that of, of how she just grabs him and she grabs him, and yeah. we hard cut to the orc army. It's like so perfect how we get this like wow. light, fun moment of like Mary yeah. and Eowyn like on this kind of secret <laughs> battle yeah. journey, and then it's just like yeah, they are marching to their death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they are going to confront right, some right. tough cookies in these orcs. It's so well done. But then yeah, we we're in it. We're in. It, does the spider have a name? I think she does. Shellub. There we Shellub? go. Okay. I was. I Shellub. didn't write it down. I was like, Brett will know this. Um, this is cuts, the well. It cuts back and forth between the battle and the spider while right. this yeah, is let's, happening. Let's because go, let's talk Shellub first. Okay. The this is like the fucking 
best part of the movie. It's, it's <laughs> the visual effect. Like it looks so it's so good, unbelievably good. Yeah, why, does the, not, why does the spider look? So, why like, the lighting it, is so perfect? It hasn't aged a day. The the um the practical effect of the webs also exactly. are really great. It's not just it's, the spider. No, no, no. It's the webs. Yeah, the webs are what make the yeah. scene so are, good. Yeah, it's very practical. Obviously, there's you know there's like a prop master's recipe for cobwebs, but these had to be a lot stronger than yeah. What if cobweb. what if a giant spider made webs? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's fucking rope. It's you guys are right there that it's this perfect combination of the practical effects the cgi somehow aging gorgeously probably also going to that effect is that it's all shot in dark so that you don't have to worry about lighting being as much of a problem but also i mean shouts out to peter jackson his background as a horror director is the way that this thing is the way that this is filmed it's all the camera whenever frodo enters the cave it's classic horror direction mm -hmm. where it's almost like he is being watched it lingers and right. it slowly moves back and forth that you yeah. get the feeling like you are in the spider's eyes peering out at him it's also since we're uh we, we're switching b between the spider and then frodo's perspective the scenes from Fr frodo's perspective are maybe the only uh, the only shots in the entire movie where we are lost. Yeah. Our sense of place is gone because yep. Frodo has no fucking clue where yep. it is. It's terrifying. He just has this little light, but you can't see anything with it. Yeah. Like that yeah. light is every, and every way he looks, looks identical to the way before it. Like every single pathway looks the same. It's really smart. They wait to show you the spider mm -hmm. for so long. They the do, scene yeah. goes on for like, I don't know, like five minutes at least where he's just like lost in the cave mm -hmm. and then finally peering behind him is the spider. Yeah. And I got to say, kind of felt bad for the spider a little bit. <laughs> she's just trying to eat. She's, yeah, she's just trying to eat. We have spiders a, get a bad rap because of movies like this. I did love um, more unintentional comedy. I think it's because this happened right after we have Pippin's beautiful uh, sonnet that he sings is we have Frodo getting trapped in the web for a second and Gollum singing. <laughs> and it's just one. I mean, it's Gollum singing, but also like the words don't rhyme or anything. <laughs> he's trying to sing. us like, Oh man, Gollum, so not the songwriter. Trash that Pippin is. Retire. So I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but the moment when Sam comes in to mm -hmm. save Frodo. So this is after like Frodo has already been like stung with the fucking paralyzer and everything. Sam fights the spider. This scene, my guy, Sam, has his backpack on <laughs> his back and he is rolling around on the ground with the backpack on. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. What a, what a feat. Yeah. I've never seen anybody do that before. It's, so he's using Sting in this scene, which is the sword that Frodo would usually have. Right. I think Frodo dropped and I think he picks it up. It's also Sting is the same sword that Bilbo used mm -hmm. uh, in The Hobbit who found it in like a tr like the troll stronghold. There's this is where I wanted to bring up like the sword mythos in this movie. Nice. Which you don't get a lot of those details, you get a little bit because you see Sting glowing mm -hmm. and you don't really get to know a lot about it. You just see that it glows and and that's important. But there's also Gandalf's sword, Glamdring. And mm -hmm. then like in The Hobbit, you have Orcrist, which is Thor and Oakenshield's sword. So I think that adds so much personality to the story. And also like in the behind the scenes when you have real swordsmiths making these swords. Yes. Swords. The, they're really distinct. The um, 
I think it's just for fellowship. What's on YouTube. It is. Yeah, it's, that's what I watched. So, yeah, <laughs> I would call it a featurette, but it is almost as long as this trilogy. <laughs> um, it's it's four parts on YouTube. If you just search Lord of the Rings documentary, it's all for fellowship. But obviously it covers a yeah. lot of the entire this is, series. This is the stuff from the so, extended edition. Part yeah. part one, about an hour of this. Part two, an hour 42, all for fellowship. Part three, an hour 37. Part four uh an hour 24 did you watch all those i've watched uh me and uh friend of the pod nate stayed up until about 4 30 last night watching <laughs> the better part the better part of yeah, all of these because so they're the speaking toward like the sword lore uh all of the incredible thought that went into character design uh, of these orcs yeah. their armor there's about 15 minutes about how they went like the, every choice going into the armor design and how it relates back to like the mythology of these creatures right it it's you I don't know like you I obviously appreciated the immense amount of work that went into this series but to see it's all from scratch to see this beautiful combination of artistic vision and hard labor is is just incredible like it, it I would almost call all of these documentaries on YouTube like required watching if you really <laughs> like Lord of the Rings sure. it is so incredible to watch. And especially for someone like me who hasn't read the books, isn't as familiar with the mythology. Yeah. You get a good crash course. And it's what I was talking about last pod or the one before about how like it's things that you only see for a second in the final product. But they put all of all of this effort into mm -hmm. it that just gets sucked up into the larger whole. And even though you only see this piece of clothing or this prop for like a fraction of a second mm. the work that went these into were, it yeah, these yeah. were crafted by like blacksmiths <laughs> it gets swallowed up into yeah. the entire it's experience real metal. Just thinking on a bigger scale think about how much they worked on the look of the shire for over a year mm -hmm. and that's in 40 minutes of this 10 hour whole thing yeah, like, it's, it's really really it's, incredible uh, another like smaller thing that also like i was wondering about very specifically is the, the hobbit feet the the amount of craft that had to go into making those they had to make like 1800 like pairs day. just for our main four hobbits uh it's it's just immense the amount of labor if if any of those like milliseconds weren't there that's what pulls you out of the story exactly and you get a starbucks cup yeah. on a table yeah. You know? yeah exactly exactly well we, we can't know what you're talking about specifically <laughs> there but um <laughs> so let's backtrack a little bit um Minas Tirith, the battle. Yeah, let's mm -hmm. let's talk. Well, Battle of Pelennor Fields really That's is, what it is. is where is where this starts. Um, so a couple of things I wanted to note about that is one, the tides of war kind of go back and forth as you know, because we have a lot of different armies coming together. So it allows for a more extended sequence pretty much to the end of the movie. Um, I really like the sequence of Aomer taking down the first Oliphant. He gets a little bit of action there because he's like, I need to throw a spear at like yeah. the driver, yeah. like this Persian looking guy. But also one thing I really notice about this, there's a lot of trolls here, is that nature is really a victim of war and like the impact of humanity here. For sure. They're so, innocent. 100%. Yeah. So that's the Oliphants, the trolls, the horses, the trees. And then even you could say like the hobbits. Yeah. You know, they're just a casualty. Yeah. It's 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 all getting swallowed up into it. And, and again, you don't even know at a certain point why people are fighting. You have to remind yourself, oh, it's a, it's all for a ring. Really? Right. And like the that's like I, I don't know if that's I'm sure that plenty of that is Tolkien, but it's also Jackson, too. Mm -hmm. It's just showing like the futility of war and like how stupid and pointless it is. Mm -hmm. 
And the, the ring is just a way to kind of drive that point home as to like how meaningless it is to have people like having these massive murder parties of just fucking mowing each other down. Well, also because, I mean, you brought up how like nature is involved, but also I think that that's, it's also important to note that in this army is man. Like there are the lost men, whatever they're called. Um, the, the like ghosts? free men. No, no, no. The, the men who like, like the hire a dream. Yeah. That they don't belong to like Gondor or anything like that, that are also hired and recruited by Sauron. Mm-hmm. Like that they are also fighting there. Meanwhile, on our friendly side, you have the dichotomy of Denethor on one side, who as soon as he sees the army is like, everybody leave your posts and hide. <laughs> like that's how we're going to handle this. And you have Gandalf fucking dual wielding a staff and a sword and just trying to mow down as many dudes as possible. Awesome. That like, it's not even just purely, man versus nature it's like man versus man versus nature like mm. that there are all these other kind of elements that man came again on the fucking same page with himself mm-hmm. and the point we brought up last week about like you know sort of the you as as audience member being like a general in these battles and and the idea yeah. that you it's not just a bunch of people running at each other aimlessly like there is like a strategy to the battle and you are observant of it you can see what that strategy is as these opposing forces are are standing at odds and then you know running at each other it's not pointless like you can see where the machinations Um, are the reason i like helms deep better than this battle is because there's more of that i think there's more of Mm -hmm. like discussions regarding exactly what to do also like i said the the tiered uh, elevation of that battle makes it so you don't have to have certain shots that were in this movie that kind of bugged me where there there was no way to avoid it. But there are characters in the four middle and background and they're so clearly not in the same shot. It's so clearly stitched together. Yeah. There's no truly, especially in 2003, there's no way to avoid that. Even today, it's hard. It still looks great. Though. It's no, yeah, it I looks mean, good. It's just I think Helm's Deep was like one of the best battles I've ever seen in my life. That's I, that's the, I think that's what we're talking about here is that I think that like while the battle in, what was the name of the, the field again? Telenor fields. Telenor fields. I, I keep just calling it the battle of Minas Tirith. Um, I think that that is an unfucking believable set piece. I think that's incredible, but I think that Helm's Deep is one of the greatest siege battle sequences that's right. in film history. It's, yeah. yeah I, I mentioned in the last episode, like, um, that Pelennor Fields was going to be a flat battle, mm-hmm. and that's why that's a big part of why it's not as cool. At, like you're saying, it has the levels. But then the Oliphants. But come no, in. that's what I was going to say. Yeah, is that, that well, that's still, when we get. To and and I also I also mentioned that too. Like also, first of all, the ATATs come in. I love <laughs> Legolas taking down the Oliphant when yeah. after he comes with the Army of the Dead. And Aragorn still fucking holds up. Hell it yeah! Looks so cool when Air when Legolas takes down the Oliphant. Mm-hmm. It's like super strategic. It's so yeah cool. that that. Poor, poor Oliphant, though, man. Yeah, yeah for well, real. He didn't ask for this. It is going like, to bat for all the animals in they, the story. They, there, there's, a, there's an Oliphant that gets downed early by on. By another Oliphant. But they don't die. So they're just like, well, this is our chance to just like lay here. We're just going to sit this one out. We it's don't like, want to get like killed. Afterward, it's like, you know, when a horse breaks his leg, you got to take it out back. <laughs> you have to shoot like one million arrows into <laughs> it to, yeah. to euthanize like, it. Keep shooting it in the head. The, to there, there's there's like one horror dream guy in charge of like euthanizing the, ele- the elephant. <laughs> That's his whole job. I did want to say when we're talking about the elephants that I wrote down that it's like it reminded me a lot of Mad Max. 
Like I yes. can definitely. There's see totally that a guy sure. just banging a drum. Yeah, there's a like guy a banging a drum. There's, 100%. there's the face paint and stuff that they have on. Yeah. Even kind of the background, like the actual backdrop of everything. The sky turns kind of this very pale yellow brown Orangey, color orange yeah. that's very very mad that's Max. interesting there's so, so while we're talking about like battle of pelinor fields and minas tirith there's a moment i really like where like pippin's lost hope and he's like standing with gandalf and you know the orcs are about to break in and pippin's like man this is where it ends and gandalf has this like little speech where he's basically I like have it written down yeah like dude i tripped dmt and died <laughs> one time like it's, it's pretty great. chill. No, yeah. I, I had to write it down because I did. I love that speech. He says, he says, uh, and he's just like, Oh no, I didn't think this is how my journey was going to end. And Gandalf says, no, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path. One that we must all take the gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very DMT. Yeah. Death is just another path, man. Dude, literally, why are you scared, bro? <laughs> this is and this is while uh, the orcs are just like using this really cool design dragon head uh, thing to break down the walls to mm-hmm. get in. And yeah, the, the battering ram is nice. Meanwhile, uh, our guy Denethor has just completely gone off the goddamn deep can end. I, can I just say, the <laughs> when I'm talking about images burned in my brain, the shot of him chomping down on that chicken <laughs> and those tomatoes. Oh, while Pippin's singing earlier on. Yeah, and well, and how... It's uh, so carnal. Red keeps spilling out, but he's not eating anything mm. that would have redness in it. The cherry tomatoes are shooting yeah. green stuff out. It's very cool. But at this point, Faramir is, like, gonna be burned alive. Yeah, and Pippin's like, no. It's crazy that this is <laughs> like, yo, my, he's alive. And Denethor has just completely gone insane. Like, I think uh, you could you could read that both ways, because like he does have a surprise reaction at the end of the sequence. But you can kind of think like maybe he wants to burn his son alive. But a he little wants to bit. burn himself. Alive. Yeah, yeah, he says, yeah. Well, he has that line, too, where he's just like, burn me with all the other like bastard kings exactly. and stuff. Like, it's he's about just the like, pride and the honor. He, yeah, he knows that he's not really supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that all this is happening while the other battles are happening. Yeah. That and able to and so then it makes sense on. where in the, you know, Pippin does his like midnight ride, Paul Revere <laughs> style where he, you know, he rides he's, and he he sums it up very like chillingly. He's like, the king is going to burn his son alive. He's insane. Yeah, he is burning his son alive. <laughs> it's it's really really nuts. Um, and it's yeah, it's great visuals when they swoop in and uh and stop it, etc. You love to see it. You love to see th- uh the king just running off on fire, <laughs> dude. <laughs> no, that's, running off the cliff. That's gonna be me on November fourth after <laughs> Trump is reelected. I'm just gonna be like. Woo! Yeah, you're gonna be like, I do not fear death. Is, yeah, but another death is simply another path. <laughs> Holy shit! There, there's. Um, I think that's actually. I think that Desantis said that in his latest press yeah. conference when he said they're reopening oh. bars and restaurants <laughs> uh, in full capacity. I mean, what a way to go! Well, like, if you're gonna die, that's the fucking way to do it. Another, man. another great note about uh, that, like his king's hall, I guess you would call it, like that main room that all this action is taking place. It is perhaps the only underdressed set in the whole movie. 
on purpose yeah. because he is an empty man. Mm-hmm. He literally has his throne and then there's just kind of like a side table next to it where, where he's he eating. Eats, yeah. There's yeah. nothing else in the whole place. Well, there's nothing up there and you can tell that the guards that work for him do not respect him. Like when they came in in two towers to try and like help Theoden, Wormtongue was just like, stop them. They're trying to hurt the king and they still try and go to bat and like yeah. fight for their king. And this one, Gandalf and Pippin right in there and they're just like, yo, you guys got this. Like <laughs> y'all and go ahead and do yeah, it. Like we're yeah. just here to watch on I in. guess. <laughs> That's a good point. There's uh, there's there's a point uh, at the beginning there where the Nazgul's are riding into Minas Tirith, like breaking down catapults, and I got like huge Daenerys vibes from yeah. that scene of the dragon riding in at the end. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of Eowyn and the Witch King, Ooh. I am no man, she says. As she takes mm-hmm. her helmet off right. and you, stabs this motherfucker. Well, you, yeah, you get um, earlier on when the witch king is mentioned, someone says like, it's said that no man can kill right. him. So you get said he repeats it to her. And he repeats it. And yeah. She, yeah. Well, the whole battle, though, is really well done when she like chops the the dragon thing's head off. It's like yeah. and she's protecting her own yeah. father. Yeah. And then and Pippin, Pippin comes in like he chop. <laughs> so whenever I just watched this this time, I couldn't tell. I like at first I was like, ah, really fucking corny like and then i kind of thought about yeah the I mean, way, there's a lot of corn in this movie yeah but then i kind of thought about the way that uh women heroes are handled in other things yeah and i was like oh no wait this is actually earned because you do see her fight people before it's not the cool very cool cgi wonder where all the women of the mcu get together mm-hmm. to kick some ass mm-hmm. this feels much more earned than that sequence even if it is still pretty corny that she takes off her hood the hair flows I'm she no like man. does a little flip and she's like i am no man yeah, yeah she just you get, flicks him on the nose and he dies there's, there's i the, mean this whole movie is like a testosterone fest yeah like all they it's all a white are. testosterone yeah yes. like they we needed a moment like this. uh this movie would have failed the uh new oscar regulations about <laughs> having people it's of great. color I, in your films i spent a lot of time during this movie thinking about you know what ends up in the book that um you know frodo helped write you know what is what is the legacy left by each character and that helped me understand like why certain things are being shown so there's the parallel between pippin saving gandalf's life which happens really briefly he stabs an orc that was going to like stab gandalf right. and then you have mary saving uh eowyn's life uh, against the witch king and then theowyn is dying who he- king theoden Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you said Theowyn. Yeah, I I think that's I think that's what I said. Theowyn. Are you shipping him or that is her (laughs) uncle, but um I I thought it was her dad. It's the uncle. Uncle. Yeah. Basically adopted father though. Yeah, Yeah. it's a father figure. Um wait, so so a a, what's Carl Eow- Urban's? Aomer and Eowyn are brother sister. Brother sister. okay. Okay, okay. And they're cousins of no, never mind. They're they're nephew, you know, nephew, niece and nephew, and they're fucking. Yeah, and they all love each other. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, they, no, he's, are, dying. <laughs> he's dying. He's dying. He's di- die. Yeah. After after they kill the witch king, Eowyn kills the witch king with the assist from uh, Mary with the leg stab. Yeah, on I there. said Pippin. It was Mary. Yeah. Um. Then you have Theoden dying. That I, is. I a just say I say lost sequence. equals Mary. That's why I remember. Nice. His his death uh, was awesome. The king's death. It's a yeah. great scene. It he's was, such a good. Actor he's really movie. So it's you know he it's it's hard to do because that shot alone just like gives corny vibes just because that's the shot you do when someone's dying. It's the over the shoulder of the person who's tending to them. 
and he was playing it so small it was just gorgeous you are right about telling who is like a fucking theatrical actor in this movie because that is like a classic guy that you could just see him doing like king lear or something on but he also did what a lot of theater actors can do which is he shrunk his performance he wasn't playing in the back row i mean you can whispering you can almost see the the day on set like okay here we go it's the big death scene all right Right. okay everybody come on let's set up the shot let's get this thing over with and then he fucking brings it they both bring it yeah Mm -hmm. you know absolutely in a movie where there's so much going on. Yeah. You could have easily phoned it in. While this is happening right before he actually goes down, she goes to tend to him. You see in the background, like 10 million ghosts just <laughs> swarm an Oliphant and just fucking bring it down. That's a, like, that's a cool shot. Yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, the moment where Aragorn actually comes in with the ghosts with Legolas it's and Gimli. Nice. Yeah. I, I mean, moment. I, more, more than that, I like the like how Gimli and Legolas reference that they're counting the number of orcs that they're yeah. killing. We get more. Of that. I wanted there to be a little payoff where we realize that um, if, if Vigo were counting, he would be so high above them. Yeah. It's like not even fair. Like I Vigo's like, I'm at a hundred. Yeah. 1,112. Yeah. Truly. What? I think, I think that's the main example. I think it's the only example in the movie where like Aragorn is transcended by Vigo. Like the character is more Vigo than Aragorn. I think. <laughs> Oh, also another quick thing while we are talking about them arriving. I know we talked about earlier how Legolas takes it down, but just him shooting arrows at the Oliphant and then climbing up the arrows to get on top and everything. That's that like some thing. video yeah. game shit that just looks I mean, yeah, so A lot of these cool. movies are really good. Video That's games. why the video games <laughs> are so good. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. We got to get to it. Okay. Mordor. Mm hmm. It's here. Mm-hmm. The whole thing has been building up to this. Yeah. Getting the ring in the yeah. fucking and volcano of Mordor. And we, uh, Oh, quick thing, quick, uh, another nit to pick. If I have to, pick. this is a nit that I have with a token. So I hope you're listening. Oh, a guy who has not read any of the books <laughs> coming in hot. Sam, why are you just fucking bailing on Frodo? You could just like carried him back into the I, cave. I Those an orcs answer. are not going in there. I have an answer. And I think more in the performance wise than in the book, it's like what you're asking why Sam bails when Frodo tells him to bail. No, no, no. I'm saying why does he bail on Frodo's webbed up body? Because he's dead. He thinks he's dead. Oh, yeah. yeah he thinks he's, he's 100% sure he's dead. I still would have just like moved him to the side or something. Like he's just like sitting like okay. you walk down the stairs and you just Bro, see him. If there. I encountered my dead best friend wrapped in a spider's web, here's what I would have done. So I take him. I carry him. I carry him back to his family. Like RIP to Frodo, but I'm burial. different. You just walked all the way. Look, I don't. Want, I hope I don't die near you guys. Jesus. Y'all are just going to be like, well, he died in the pod studio. I guess we'll just let him rot here. Oh my god. Look, that is the same. definition so, of a so yeah, nit. <laughs> I don't have faults with this movie. It's all nits, okay? To like the the build up to to Ernie's trying to get right into Mordor. So like there are some cuts back and forth, but right before that happens, uh you know, the triple threat trio are with Gandalf and they're saying, you know, we need to make a distraction. And yes, we, that's a great so, mm-hmm. and and I want to get back to that too, but let's talk about, you know, so Mordor. They're climbing the side of the volcano very slowly oh my god yeah it's i mean it's so and it's like that's another you know peter jackson's patience thing where you yeah. just you're like They're oh my right god there. this one sucks so bad their feet must hurt like Frodo yeah. like passes out yeah it's yeah, like they, they i'm done like, i can't yeah. do it straight yeah and sam sam is like acting his fucking heart oh, out like yeah. if i can't carry the ring yeah. i'm gonna carry you oh, yeah yes yeah, sam carrying frodo no, is yeah. just like yes. sam i think like i think you're dead i think this is like an oscar movie for sam i it's think it's a travesty so and, it, and it speaks to how the academy feels about fantasy 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they just don't see it as acting. Yeah, we'll let you have. We'll let you have your eleven. But the, yeah, I, very technically great. No, the <laughs> acting is so good. Man. It's so so good. Oh, I mean, before that, we also just real quickly. Uh, I love Sam going sicko mode after he did just ditch Frodo behind for no reason. He does go full sicko mode and just kills like mm-hmm. twelve orcs That's on right. his way to save Frodo. He's like he's like casting his shadow on the wall, <laughs> just, and he's like, good yeah. funny moment. He, 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 he used. Says sting sting like if you read about sting it's like orcs are afraid of that sword yeah and then you know once they're up toward the top of the mountain we we you know could have sworn Gollum had died off screen of course so <laughs> yeah. he's not he's not going to be dead um and he you know he tries to ex machina and uh you know he fails we get we get that little bit where we get to see that though sam is so incredibly pure and wholesome to the story he can't hold that fucking ring for one second without uh, succumbing to it almost right yeah yeah there was some truth in what Gollum was saying Mm -hmm. yeah for sure i mean that's that's just the whole thing you know it's like that's it's ultimate power but again i just want to hold on the the visual of this whole thing you know okay first of all you have the tower we've already seen that before the eye of sauron incredible visual but being right there next to the volcano just seeing the eye shifting back and forth too the eye shifting yeah but just this volcano fucking towering like the visual of this bellowing fucking beast of a volcano i've never seen anything like that before mm. it looks absolutely incredible and then these two little hobbits trying to scale it their faces completely covered in dirt and grime and soot. Oh yeah, they're so you, you can oh you can feel God. how tired they are. I actually got like I don't know if it's superficial, but I got the vibes that like Sam is operating on his own body fat. He's yeah. been prepping for this journey his entire life. He's still by <laughs> eating five yeah. seven meals a day. He's still a bit of a chubster. Yeah. Okay. Well, so he, is, so is he could have made the journey back. Frodo could have went a little more method and lost a little more weight for this so one. So we we have to go back to the 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 fellowship but let's just see the for the hobbits all the way through yeah yeah they're yeah. in the pit mm-hmm. which Frodo you know, is going to throw the ring in the lava like this is it this is the fucking moment we've been waiting three fucking movies three plus hours each for this and he's like no it's mine yeah it's mine he, he reacts just like a sealed door does yep. mm-hmm. but do and the have? shots mirror that that scene yeah sam is elrond yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And then Gollum comes in and saves the day. <laughs> Gollum kind of, yeah, he kind of he kind of gets his own. Look. This is how he wanted to die. Yeah, kind of. He seems happy as he's going yeah, he down. Does. He does. He, yeah, he's he is. very happy. He's yeah, like being melted by the lava. This is basically a happy ending. I don't think there's a happier ending for him because no, because he, he's not coming. Like Frodo can not even come back fully from this ring's yeah. power over him. Obviously, Gollum needs to die. Yeah, like he just has to. You're right. It's we, it's a great ending for him. And then, I mean, just the whole little sequence of him putting on the ring and then getting attacked by Gollum was very fun. Also, bites the fucking finger off. That, yeah, that's just it's as, as if as if Frodo would be able to shake Gollum. Gollum like you Gollum know wore the ring. Fucking animal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's. Yeah, it's like a feral cat. Like, you can't take him off. You have the moment where, I mean, you think that you, quote unquote, think that Frodo might have gotten taken down with Gollum. And then you have Sean Astin reaching out. Oh, of course. Mr. Frodo, don't (laughs) let go. Don't you let go. Oh, man. Sean Astin really made me cry in this movie. Like, he really fucked around and he made me cry. He did it. Fuck yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, also the reason he did, because... 
if uh, let's i guess we can go back to the fellowship now yeah they, so to, yeah, so they're sure. we'll get at the gates of mordor so this is when they're um it, it's important to distinguish so we're, we're going back to right before frodo and sam are about to cross over to mount doom and they see you know all of these orc soldiers the eyes looking around um so this is when aragorn and gandalf realize they need to just dis- basically distract the eye of sauron and it works so there's it's a, a really, great visual of the eye like shifting. Yeah, back. it's perfect. And uh, my favorite Howard Shore moment of like the entire series is here. So when Aragorn is leading the men of the West into Mordor, they're like, we might die here. And, you know, he's like, Aragorn is like for Frodo. Like oh. he says that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then everybody goes in. But in that moment, um, the fellowship theme plays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Full force. So yes. this is indicative that. All of the forces of good have all, this is all of the men of the West, everybody have all funneled into the main Frodo story. Everybody is the Fellowship of the Ring mm-hmm. right now. Oh my that God. That was like, that's my probably my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. It's so good. Because they are not doing this to win like on their own rights. They're doing this just to be a distraction. Yeah. And they the like, guy. they know that they're going to die. Like Ghibli yeah. has the it's whole line where he's death. just like, never exactly. thought I'd die fighting beside an elf. How about and beside a friend? How about beside a friend? Oh. Gimli. Fuck my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Legolas. <laughs> no, it is, it is lovely. You. Best picture, um, baby. Orlando Bloom, oh. not necessarily a great actor by any means, but he's utilized. He's a pretty boy. He's utilized expertly in these movies. He's, he's straight he's, out of like, acting school for these he was not in anything i was gonna say this young like these movies made me miss orlando bloom just like orlando Bloom. well now he's did you see the shot his hog yeah oh i've seen it shot's been going viral of him like paddleboarding with Katy perry who he's married to and he's just full naked like incredible bod hog out dig on hard not really (laughs) but (laughs) you could say in full bloom now that's a shower everyone blooms Mm. sometimes Um, so (laughs) as the ring is destroyed, almost made it through three Lord of the Rings pods with friend of the pod, Brett, without a front bottoms reference. (laughs) You were so close. Damn it. (laughs) I swear to God, the Sauron (laughs) made me do it. (laughs) All right. So, um, they throw the ring into the into the lava. Uh, <laughs> ring gone now. You are lava twelve feet. I walk around like a goth mog last night, <laughs> trying to amass an army. The lo- the volcano is just going. There's now. mead. <laughs> <laughs> I think like I feel like Frodo at the end where like the the ring is just getting to me. I can't these marathon pods. I should have never pointed out. I've yeah, my IQ is like fucking Mary level. Hobbit size mattress. (laughs) You are a hobbit, and the Shire don't flow the way you want it to. And the the last listener phase away. Yeah. Yeah, the demographics just don't cross there. <laughs> yeah. We lost. We got to we got to get this back on track. So, Woo! the ring is destroyed. The armies crumble. See, this goes back to my original question about like where was this tower like always there? Was the was Sauron like always there because this ring is destroyed and it all crumbles. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, d- I didn't read the Silmarillion, which I know goes into a lot of background with a lot of this stuff. It might even go further back, but like I, I couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter in the context, but they're fun questions to ask. It's pretty nuts. I mean, it's just like 
you wouldn't think that destroying the ring would literally like just make everything cave in on yeah. itself I mean, like they that. They are like in Isengard. They're- oh. In uh, in Isengard, they're like manufacturing orcs. So right. it does kind of make sense that they are drawing all of this power from Sauron. And when yeah. Sauron is defeated, then they just kind of go to ash. Um. So now. The moment that I almost fully lost it, because like I said, I'm dumb. I didn't know actually how these ended. I I couldn't find anywhere online to corroborate this. But when it cuts back to uh, Frodo and Samwise on the rock, it's a wide, like far away shot, not the shot that you would think they would use. And it's a really long take of just dead silence. Mm -hmm. What all that you can see is their legs. Their legs are white as the driven snow. I think it very intentionally is supposed to look like they're skeletons. Like we just experienced like a time jump and like they're dead oh. because that wouldn't that be like a, you know, like a hunchback of Notre Dame, like wow. final resting place. I almost like like fully lost it at that. Well, moment. that so wow. now we're getting into yeah. the multiple endings. So this is ending number one is Frodo says it's done mm-hmm. and they die. Yeah. And yeah. like I'm 100 percent sure that shot was intended to look like they wow. were dead. The movie literally fades to black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. After fades, that. After it's after he says, uh, I'm glad we would be Samwise Gamgee here at the end of all things. Yeah, it exactly. is long, and it's a long <laughs> like moment they, in the black. They that's a good point because they set that up. Or Ernie mentioned it really briefly where they say none left for the return journey. You know, because mm-hmm. yeah. they're drinking they yeah, the last drink- of their water. So you can genuinely believe mm-hmm. that even if they succeed and destroy the ring, that they're not going to make yeah, it. Back. And also we have seen them put every ounce of their beings into this journey. They they can't have anything left in them to get mm-hmm. out of this. Right. Like there's lava flowing all around them. And then we get the real ex machina of. So we Gandalf fade to black. The coming homie, in on the eagle. And then we fade back in. Yep. And the eagles are, are uh, there. Why didn't they just fly the eagles into Mordor? Yeah. I'm that guy on Reddit, you know? Yeah, I actually, I went on Reddit. I wanted to be prepared just to look at a couple of theories just, just in case Drew was doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I, but he's not doing it's that. It's fucking stupid because there's, it's movies. Well, also, <laughs> it's, books. it's movies books. and also there's a purpose like that they have to walk because Soren would see Yeah, they're them. sneaking. That's, like, that's the, yeah, that's the main thing. There's also the the idea, one one that I read that I really liked is that these eagles aren't Uber drivers. Like, <laughs> if, if you go back, they only, they appear like twice in The Hobbit. And yeah. They, they, these are like English speaking, like common speaking uh, creatures. Yeah, so like they're, they, thinking they're like, very smart. Yeah, they're thinking like, okay, if it's like really needed, you can ride us. But like, and so, also they don't go long distances. I think there there's something about them living on the other side of the Misty Mountains. Okay, so this is a lot closer yeah. to where they actually so are. Any one who says that is just objectively like stupid. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's because even to investigate that at all is a dumb idea. Like why? Yo, why is there a story? <laughs> Like, why, why would he want to tell this story? Yeah. Like, I want a shitty movie that doesn't have any plot holes in it. It's all, <laughs> Yeah. And also, let's here's another thing that people never think of. Maybe it is a possibility and they didn't fucking think of it. OK, like not everyone is. Perfect, or has maybe Gandalf doesn't have there's as much control as you think he does. Well, Gandalf, I mean, he is Gandalf the Grey and he gains all this knowledge like when he becomes Gandalf the White. There, there's a cool theory that along with that was that when he was Gandalf the Grey, he like gave kind of instructions to the Eagles slash like asking to help and like maybe messed it up a little bit. And by the time he was Gandalf the White, he completely forgot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because he forgot a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah. No one he doesn't even name. remember his name. Yeah. Like, when he arrives so back. here's a, a, a screen cap of the movie of Frodo and Sam looking. Why would like you show this? To absolute me? lover boys. Make me 
cry on the edge of the volcano ready to call it a day like call it a life on the end they hug each other they embrace and this is this is ending number one right here so yes so now let's speed run through all these so yeah i mean next so they get saved by the eagle and then frodo wakes up in the bed and every and single character comes everybody in. Everybody comes in one at a time. And it still works for me. It does, man. It's no. still, one, because of the journey that we're on there. And two, because of Howard Shore again. He True. goes, it blends the Shire theme and the Fellowship okay. theme. Okay, hold the phone. Look at this shot. Tell me that's not fucking skeleton. Skeleton, wide uh, shot. Yeah. Very. Like the, the way the light is hitting them yeah, on the top. Yeah, you are right. Because, yeah, they're supposed that. to be covered in grime. Like, they don't actually look that white at any point in the movies, except mm-hmm. for right there. The lava is flowing it down is the side genius. of the mountain. Peter Jackson shit. That's you know they don't write that shot into the book. I I would never have seen that as somebody who's like very familiar with like how the story ends. So I would I would say ending number two is they get picked up by the eagles. Yeah, and then Frodo just kind of breathes a sigh of relief as as he's flying. Yeah, that's air. And then he wakes. And then ending number three is Rivendell. I call that everybody's happy. I call that stupid laughing scene because it's kind of turned (laughs) into a meme. It's It's, it's really good after they're done, like laughing just him and Gandalf. It looks really dumb. And Um, then (laughs) ending four, and then Shire, and then uh, Sam walks in and just like gives him those eyes, and then yeah, Frodo (laughs) gives him them eyes back. You know, boo. (laughs) I I have to say it. Orlando and Vigo look so fucking hot when they walk in in the Elven. I think that is. I was actually. I did actually write that down in my notes. I think that that is like the hottest that Vigo Mortensen has ever looked in his entire life. That burgundy red silk. Him where he's still like kind of like he's seen some shit, but he's cleaned up a little bit. He's Mm -hmm. ready for his coronation, which is the next ending, (laughs) ending number four. Mm -hmm. We're back in Minas Tirith, King of Gondor, King of Men, beautiful coronation ceremony, just mwah. And then, the 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 line Aragorn that, starts singing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Aragorn. Yeah. We get, it's a we full get on some, musical number. Everybody's dancing. Like yeah. We're all really in this <laughs> together. We get Arwen Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. We we. It's revealed that she is alive. Yeah, and she just yeah. has like a big scroll in front of her face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aragorn's like, let me let me hold your Torah so that I can embrace you. It's really funny. There's that? a big fucking piece of cloth right in front of her, and she's like. It's me. Eowyn's like right there. Yeah. She's like, fuck. Oh, this man. is the one. Point out for Eowyn. Who would you guys choose? Come on. Seriously? Oh, that's. Liv Tyler's whole career is based around his. I would choose Vigo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, yeah honestly. He, he just turns and like makes out with one of the other. He just, <laughs> yeah, no, he just like jacks off. <laughs> no one's Wait, I wanted to. He just like, it like starts touching Sam and Frodo's like, what? Maybe. I don't, I don't Sam. know. If can, I don't know if you can get a screen cap, but the way that he kisses Arwen is like really aggressive. Open yeah, mouth. It's a big old fucking slobbery. I think Vigo knows that session. Liv Tyler is out of his league and he's like, I'm going all in. Yeah, on this. Do you go. need another take, Peter? And his, I got another one at me. His son is watching from behind the camera. <laughs> Mommy? <laughs> the line that makes me cry. Mm-hmm. My friends, you bow to no one. Then he bows. Then everyone bows. Oh, mm. Wow. So good. That that I I vividly remember seeing that in the theater That's, and just like having an emotional reaction to it as a little mm. nine year old child. Yeah. And this this to me is like out of all the endings that weren't the actual ending. This is the ending that like could have truly ended right there. And I would have been fine. Yeah. But but it's got to. So, yeah, I know. So here, here's the thing is that I was tearing up during this. Yeah. 
and then uh we get the the next well i guess the not the next ending the ending after that so then we're back yeah we're back in the shire and frodo's like you know i still feel a little fucked up (laughs) no but before that even when they're all just like sitting in the pub yeah exactly of them right after and sean Aston's like they just they just look about to get in that like they just have this shared silence while they're all like just sitting. i think that's really fascinating that you know of course their motivation this entire time is to get back to the shire and they make it back and they're kind of like yeah this is kind of boring yeah Yeah. well yeah because like right when they get there that old hobbit man just like snarls at them (laughs) he has no clue what's happening (laughs) how much do you know how much time passed like a year 13 months i don't know 13 yeah they say yep that's what they say uh yeah no we had i love that and then we got sam fucking getting it mm-hmm. sam gets with his actual lady. wife yeah yep. in real life and then we go to the boats ending number six <sighs> so this was the one that i was already starting to tear up a little bit and then ian holmes yeah he just died this year earlier oh. this year um and the fact that he was getting taken to this place where mm-hmm. he would basically live forever just really really fucking got to me i was like i don't know if i missed like a a better explanation i probably did where exactly are they going i think they're going yeah they're going to the elf world like the eternal valhelen valhelen where they can like basically like live forever and then i just like i think that that was because it like that one really fucking amazed because he and home just you know where they're going they're going across the sea okay on the horizon and then and also we <laughs> is that from Pons? yes um <laughs> oh no that's hamilton um he says uh i think i'm ready for another adventure mm-hmm. beautiful and then uh we have frodo also just join him on which this, thing. this is uh some solid acting by well it's it's not necessarily solid it's just like smart prep work that like during this entire sequence where they're all saying goodbye and like all the other hobbits are just weeping uh frodo is not at all right. he's just he's just looking over at them like he's looking a little uh, uneasy. whatever yeah he's just sort of like he's not like feeling it and it's because he knows he's got to fucking yeah. bounce and i i like that i like that he does because We've seen like I had forgotten how much of a fucking fiend Bilbo still is after all these years. Like it's, yeah, it's really like, all he can, can think I, about. Can I see that? So like even time. though even if Frodo's the purest like being in the universe, he's he cannot walk away from this unscathed. Yeah, it's not yeah. that. It's I think there's also a possibility Bilbo could have done the same thing as him if he had the same information that Frodo did. Like in in the Hobbit, you know, Bilbo just kind of comes upon the ring. He doesn't have Gandalf kind it's of. It's true. Him out. He doesn't know that. Like, hey, watch out. Yeah, Frodo makes like such a mature decision to you know do what he did. Mm-hmm. And I, the last note that I have on these movies that I that I wanted to address is that all the way up to the end, Peter always makes time to feel. You know, he's always letting us process these emotional moments. That's why there's so many endings. Yeah, because it's like we don't want you to just cut it short right as soon as the action's over and i mean to that point too there is the incredible gandalf line one of the last lines in the movie where he says i will not i will not say to not weep not all tears are evil and that's like really like it's okay for you to feel right now like you are able you can take your guards down Mm -hmm. it's beautiful it's It's yeah it's it's lovely um and that that's how we end things in the movie. Well, so, we're back. Then we're back at the Shire with oh Sam and his wife. Yeah, he goes back to his <laughs> wife and kids. And at that point, I was like, okay, we'll maybe wrap it up here. But he writes <laughs> Lord of the Rings. And then back to Mordor. <laughs> yeah, yeah Gollum sticks his hand out of the lava. 
Gollum will return yeah. in Avengers Infinity <laughs> Game 14. Lord of the Avengers 4. <laughs> um, so once we end, what were your thoughts that the, the conversation we tabled earlier about like who the movie is about or who the series oh, is about? Oh, the... What were you going yeah, to say? The What I was going to say was what I mentioned about um, the Fellowship theme playing... Um, oh, that was it? Yeah, that, that was me yeah, realizing that... all. All of the any protagonist ever everything is about Frodo, yeah, because they're all working towards. Um, it's like you can think of it like all of the stories funneling back to that one thing at the end. So I was fascinated by this concept and just how like we have ten hours of essentially data to look back at, and I figured that because this is the exact shit that like Reddit nerds freak out over is Lord of the Rings. Our slash today I learned is essentially our slash Lord of the Rings facts uh, (laughs) for years and years. Um, So I I want you guys to guess how screen time uh, is laid out among our characters. So number one, I'm guessing is Gandalf. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Is number okay. one. Is Aragorn? it Aragorn? It's Frodo. Uh, it is Frodo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You mean across I thought, all movies? I thought it was a across trick. all movies. Sorry, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. Oh, I thought you all, missed this one. No, no, no. My bad. Across all the movies, it's Frodo by uh, a solid margin. Okay, he has a, 121 minutes of screen time. Okay. Yeah. Um, which all things considered seems low, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it is a true ensemble piece. Like this is just, I think that that's, I think that's the thing about Elijah Wood's performance and why he is kind of underrated throughout all this, because we've done all of our, like, who's the MVP of the movie. And we've never once picked him in this role. And I think that I would pick him for fellowship at the very least. Well, that's the thing is that I feel like he is a person. He is so good at just being, Frodo. He is so good at just being this character and that character doesn't necessarily he's never your favorite character. He's never like the coolest character, but he is so consistent throughout every movie at just yeah. like doing Frodo things. And it's very believable his performance. Like you're just like, okay, people see him, he has this bit of innocence to him. Big we eyes. want to do we want to fight for this guy. Big. Yeah, I I was like waiting for him to impress me more in this movie, but it like never happened. He, I just get Daniel Radcliffe Harry Potter vibes where it's he just is like, a better actor than Daniel Radcliffe. But I definitely. I don't I don't even definitely. know if it's that wide a margin to be honest. Um, he's like he's he's good. He's in a better movie. Um, he's, he's in shot. He's in better. Yeah, that's the thing. He he's in way better, better material. Movies. There are certain takes of him in the, each of these movies that make me laugh. To be honest, um, his. Not totally his fault, but his smile is just funny looking. And his smile at the very, very end that was like, it still carried weight, but it was like funny. I think yeah. it works. He has like a funny you looking need, smile. You need yeah, some it, it, all, it all works. It all works. No, that's fine. So listen, second place, who do we think? Probably like Pippin. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, guess it's insane. It's got to be like Aragorn or Gandalf. It's This surprised me. It's actually Sam, which does Sam. make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was Sam is second. Uh, third place is right behind him. Who would third place be? Aragorn. Yes, yeah. that's correct. And then fourth place is right behind Aragorn. Gandalf. Correct. Yep. And then like Legolas and Gimli are like roughly the same. I'm um, sure. No, yeah. I, th- I think Legolas Ooh. and Gimli are exactly the same. Yeah, actually. exactly. Yeah. Um, and then like Theoden is probably up there for sure. Well, Mary and Pippin are both above Legolas and Gimli. Actually, that makes sense. By a pretty because, substantial margin. Yeah. Uh, Pippin gets nine more minutes than Mary because Pippin mm. is in this movie. He's a better actor. A better yeah. actor. Yeah. Hey, hey! Shout out to uh, uh, Dominic Monaghan. Dominic Monaghan. No, lost the guy that plays Charlie. the guy that plays Pippin is like forty. Um. Okay. Another another big one, obviously, is Gollum, who has more screen time than, just two than Legolas and Gimli. Yeah. Yeah. 
without being in fellowship at all. Yeah. And then behind all them, because that rounds out our main uh, cast, obviously. After that, we get Theoden. Uh, and then it's just like everyone's smaller from there. Yeah. Or everybody's in just in like one off movies like Boromir. Like well, Sean Penn does get a Boromir lot. Boromir gets 20 minutes movie. in one single movie. Yeah, yeah. He he is just in one movie. Sean but Bean. He is, not Sean Penn. Sean Penn. That was <laughs> very <suck>. different movie. <laughs> imagine Milk in the Middle Earth universe. Um, but yeah, that's a fun little thing. Good job, Peter Jackson. Good job, the New Zealand Tourism Board and the New Zealand government. You nailed it. Hey. Good job, us. Yeah, we we did it. Mm-hmm. We base this this podcast was basically the same thing as destroying the ring in Mordor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we fucking did it. Yeah, I felt like I was going on in the journey, dude. I'm yeah. glad that I originally pitched the idea because of trying to line this up of us cramming all this in one movie and I'm or in one podcast. And I'm glad that we did not do that. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad I got to spend like a lot of time getting to know these movies because it really paid off. I never saw myself as someone who was big into fantasy or into like massive spectacle movies. These are just simply great movies. Yeah, Like so that's well what done. comes first with these movies. These are thoughtfully executed movies. It's, I mean, it's arguably the greatest trilogy of all time. And, yeah. And honestly, I, I want to read the books more than anything. Like the more I learn about Tolkien himself, he's just fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, absolutely fascinating guy. Oh, another great bit of, of a uh, sort of symbolism that a uh, friend of the pod, Nate brought up. Cause he knows a lot about Tolkien. Um, the, the Frodo's ending. Another reason that Tolkien like thought it had to be bittersweet is because Tolkien suffered from pretty severe PTSD from fighting in World War One. Wow, he didn't so get it's a, like a happy same, ending. Oh my god, Damn. it's like the same. It's like coming Holy back shit. to the Shire, yeah, and, he, and wow, not being yeah. able to. It's feel welcome. Yeah, oh my in god, his own he's space. just a little that empty. That adds so much to that one scene of them in the bar, like just not even being able to communicate the shit. Yeah, like he got back, he did other. what he was supposed to, but he just like you don't just come back wow. from that. It's it fucks you for life a little bit. Yeah, oh, that that, that bar scene is really telling because when they're still in Rivendell, you know they they probably spent a lot of time talking about you know what each of them were doing because they were separated, mm. and then once all that excitement passes. And they're back in the shire. They're like, "Fuck, we yeah, just saw just, some shit." Yeah, dude. yeah. And he's just nobody like, knows. I killed <laughs> well, uh, some people. Yeah, guess <laughs> I'll just like write a book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's the Lord of the Rings. Um, hopefully, the Amazon show will be pretty good if it ever gets made. The the two dudes they picked to helmet have literally almost zero credits we'll in see. any form. Not like small things, almost nothing at all. So it's a real question. Maybe it's mark. a Benioff and Vice thing where they just kind of like went to kind of the flagships of Lord of the Rings franchise and they're like look we know this world here's the pitch yeah I mean for Bidding Off the Lies it worked well for it did five seasons yeah. <sighs> Brett anything you want to plug thank you for joining us yeah. on this journey so if you want to hear more shit like this go on uh, twitch.tv slash popsicle profit watch my live stream I have these guys on there a lot I have Ernie on there a lot I have some ideas for these other two guys to get on there it's yeah. a lot of fun. Very magical. I have very been practicing. Fantasy. I did start playing some spell break so I can be actually ready to play for whenever yeah. we have on. We call. really enjoyed having you. Thank you. Thank you. And hopefully you'll be back soon. Next week, we have a very special episode with a returning guest. The 2000s album draft is happening next week. Part one, we're going to be splitting it because we decided, well, a decade's worth of albums. Maybe let's do it in two parts. So next week you'll be hearing 2000 to 2004. Mm-hmm. It should be a doozy. 
We'll be yeah. drafting albums. This is, Who's the guest? Brett, Danny. it's you. <laughs> oh, oh my God. It's Danny. They really like me. Resident, I figured it'd be Danny. Yeah, Resident returning. Music guy. Yeah. Um, this is return. this is gonna get heated. Yeah, because I can it's already a draft. Tell. It's not a you know. There's already like gonna be activity. some. There's gonna be some arguing and some fighting. Yeah. So stick around. For I'm that. looking at you, Hunter. I know that we're gonna be <laughs> fucking scrapping for. Ew, for me? What? <laughs> How many Fallout Boy albums are in 04 to or Two. 2000 to 04? Yep. Okay, so you could split it even. <laughs> I was gonna say four years strong, but that comes a little later. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking around on this journey. Thank you, uh, Colin, for emailing. Through mm-hmm. good email, we bought a mic at gmail.com. Um, thank, thank you to all the donors for donating. Sincere thank you to friends of the pod, uh, Nate and Dave, for watching these movies with me and dealing with me asking a lot of questions. <laughs> like, there you throughout. go. Yeah. There you go. Hell yeah. All right. Well, stick around. We got good stuff coming for you. Thanks for listening. Across the I wear camouflage to blend it. Bye.